0: In best ball, you'll often hear people say things like, we need to draft like we're right. We do that because it's incredibly hard to be right about all the different things that we need to be right about to win a bunch of money in best ball. Luckily, today, I'm going to talk to somebody who happened to be right about quite a few different things and won a little bit of money last year in Underdogs Best Ball Mania 3. and We're going to figure out how we can build our teams in a way that allows us to get less things right, and still win all the money. Let's do it. Welcome back to another episode of Legendary Sickos. I am, of course, Eric Bineford with Pat Corain from Legendary Upside. We are uh, back into a little rhythm. It is chaos season in fantasy football here, so we had to move, shift some schedules around for our recording time. We're recording on Mondays now as opposed to Thursdays, which, frankly, I kind of like uh, a little bit better, so the people have had to wait a week or so for this latest episode. Before we dive in... um, for almost every single one of these episodes, I have waited till the end of a two and a half hour conversation to uh, do the promote the things that we should probably be promoting. So bear with me for the housekeeping for just one second. If you are a best ball player, you're a sicko, you're listening to this, you probably are, and you want to use the spike week tools for this final month, and you want to use Pat's advice from legendary upside right all of his different strategic articles his rankings our spike week rankings our spike week tools the draft hacker you want to use all those different things to build your final here to you know the the final teams for this last month of fantasy football season you can do that and get a huge discount and the huge savings if you're signed up for legendary upside you've signed up for Pat's uh you know newsletter you can get a 40 percent off discount for any Spike Week subscription, right now we have an, an NFL package and a monthly package, you get forty percent off using promo code LEG UP on Spike Week if you are signed up for Legendary Upside. So go. If, if you're already signed up for Pat's, come on over, get your forty percent off. If not, I couldn't recommend more signing up for Legendary Upside and getting all the the amazing content. I love reading everything that that Pat is putting out there. I also love looking at the rankings and kind of seeing where we differ on different guys, how much you're willing to push it on the guys that I know that you like or the guys that you hate, and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's just a really good partnership for anybody that's taking best ball serious this year. So make sure you go promo code Leg Up on Spike Week and you'll get your discount Uh, just really quickly before we get into some of the kind of stacking and getting less things right. And uh, all the chaos that comes with, with best ball drafting, we are in the heart of training camp season. And speaking of how hard it is to get things right diagnosing what the hell is all going on in training camp and what matters and what doesn't how are you how are you feeling like right about now uh in the heart of draft season but also the heart of i mean dude go on twitter i feel like i'm at every training camp practice and i know what's going on how are you kind of handling that this time of year
1: i know it, it is the the fire hose of training camp uh yeah in full force right now i've been pretty happy with my ability to parse this stuff i i feel like You know, I could be. I think there's like a few shoes to drop. Like, there, I could be like really wrong on something and don't know it yet. Like, for example, I've been (laughs) drafting Josh Jacobs, right? I've been drafting Jonathan Mm. Taylor, and like one of those situations breaking against me at this point would be pretty concerning. Um, although I guess I haven't been super aggressive about Jacobs, it's more that I was underweight before and I was like, I'd like to be slightly overweight now that I'm getting a discount. Uh, but I have a lot of Taylor because I thought he was a pretty good pick in the late second before any of this contract stuff popped up, and then I'm drafting through it in the the two three turn or even the early third. So yeah, if if one of, if like Taylor were to not play this year, then I'd be like <laughs> overall uh, not a high grade for me, you know, because it's a high leverage spot. But in general, I think there's like a few spots where I thought the market would uh, react strongly and hasn't really. Yeah. Like, for example, I thought Marvin Mims would like shoot up boards, and he me he's too moving up. He's he's gonna make his way up, but it's just taking a while, more longer than I thought it would. And then um, some of the like Dobbins is cratering, and I'm uh, seventh round Dobbins is a gift. It's yes, a gift. I'm enough. gonna scoop that all day. He's hugging the GM, hugging the owner, and talking <laughs> with Dayball after or at Harbaugh after practice. <laughs> I don't think he's. Uh, it, it seems like a very pleasant hold in. I think we're gonna get Dobbins playing this year, and and I think he's healthy. So mm-hmm. certain certain situations I feel like I'm reading, I'm feeling okay about how I'm reading the tea leaves or the market's just kind of handing me stuff that I feel really good about. Yep. Um, And so I I feel like different from the market in a nice way, but also not like I'm putting myself on a crazy island with the exception of maybe this running back holdout stuff, which could break against us if some tail outcomes play out.
0: Definitely. The, the, The two for sure that you just mentioned that have stuck out like a sore thumb to me Marvin Mims, um, we do for RotoGrinders. grinders we do uh, Sirius XM on the weekend. So I'm, uh, I'm on there and we talked a lot about Marvin Mims actually this Saturday where I basically said, and you and I have kind of talked about this, not specifically with Mims, but like with risers or guys we get new information on at this time of year that have been going late or going undrafted and kind of chasing them up the board. That's literally what I said. Now, we – The nice thing about Mims is we're we're not really, he's not really moving up that much. So you don't have to chase very far, but he's the type of a guy that if you're drafting right now, or particularly if you waited, right? If you're like, I don't want to take on the risk drafting in May and June or whatever, I'll wait till camp gets here, get a little bit more comfort, right? Deal with a little less injury risk, a little more certainty of role, blah, blah, blah. This is why you wait to draft, why you draft in August and September is for the Marvin Mims situation. We didn't really know exactly what his role was going to be, right? New regime. They got four or five different wide receivers. They got tight ends and running backs. And who knew? You know, Sean Payton likes to rotate guys sometimes. We didn't really know. We knew he probably liked Mims. We liked Mims as a prospect, blah, blah, blah. traded up for him in the second round. Like, that's a good sign. Everything was a really good sign in terms of what the Broncos think about Mims. But at the end of the day, he did still have to usurp Judy Sutton or Patrick or one of them needed to get moved. Because those are all pretty good NFL wide receivers. Now, could he do that? Of course. And I like to bet on talent. I don't really give a shit about uncertain situations. I just like to bet on those profiles. But there was, like, reason for, like, is he just going to be a zero all year? Or, like, yeah. you know, kind of a zero all year? Now... Does not exist. Like, I, I can't come up with a reason to take Juju Smith-Schuster over him. <laughs> like, as a, you know, like, there are guys going, Zay Jones. Like, what yeah. is the difference between Zay Jones, and, other than Zay did it last year, and Marvin Mims? Like, not. That's he where he said Yeah. So, like, I would be putting him, you know, that closer to pick 100, and he is not getting there at all. He's the type of guy that I want to draft right now, and I'm willing to chase up, you know, within reason. I don't want to chase the the Daryl Henderson rise or the Damian Pierce rise or the, the Marquez Galloway rise, but, like, a couple rounds or whatever, multiple rounds, I, I don't care. He's not going through – he's not passing guys in ADP at this cost, even if he rises a couple rounds that I care about, like, passing. It, it doesn't really matter to me. And then J.K. Dobbins, 100%. I wanted to be overweight on J.K. Dobbins when he was going around pick 50. It was whatever. hard, though. <laughs> yeah, because he went by – a that a wide receiver tier break to me. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of elite quarterback break too, right? Burrow Fields, uh, Herbert, all going right there. The elite tight ends, Kittle, Hawkinson, Pitts. You know, Pitts has fallen too, but it was much tougher. Now, shit, dude. Like, I every day I keep drafting him, and his it, the next day his ADP is even lower. And I'm like, I'm this is I wanted it's to take crazy, a stand. Dude. I wanted to take a stand on JK Dobbins anyway. But now it's like, oh, shit, my season's going to be decided by this guy <laughs> because the market's just giving him to me for free.
1: Yeah. And like, if you go on DraftKings, he's just regularly available in the seventh, late seventh. I mean, he's cratering. He's cratering over there. And underdog, you're seeing a pretty big fall as well. He's one of the guys where I'm like, I, I don't really feel that nervous about Dobbins, like no. at all. He was he was I, efficient last year. I feel, I, I feel more nervous about JT. I feel more I nervous about JT than I do. I feel more nervous about JT. <laughs> Yeah, Dobbins is he ha, he's on a rookie deal. He's coming off a season which was like just a pure recovery year after devastating injury in his second year. Dude has no leverage, and he's not playing hardball with the team. He's basically holding. He doesn't want to practice. It seems like like I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like he would like more money, but like I don't know how he gets there. That the, the team, you know, hardball saying stuff like it would be really great if he was out there. You know, new offense would be really nice to see him out there. Like he's annoyed. But like this hasn't deteriorated and we're getting like a two round discount, a two full round discount <laughs> from where he was going before any of this came up. So it's not like I'm just putting my head in the sand and being like, I like JK Dobbins. I'm drafting through it. Like I'm being paid to ignore this risk. I'm being paid yeah. handsomely <laughs> yep. to ignore this risk. I've finally been able to get I'm still actually slightly underweight Dobbins on my completed drafts, but I have a ton of slows coming in and I'll be I'll be overweight, I think, at that point. Um, and I've gotten in, I've gotten some higher stake stuff in on him. And I'm just actually, when I say that I'm looking at underdog, I think I must be overweight when I look at DraftKings because he's so easy to get on DraftKings. Yep. He's so easy to get. So, yeah, it's just like the market, like there's some of these where I'm like, you know, Brees Hall is is been cratering on DraftKings. You're able to get him in the fourth and no problem on DraftKings. Yep. You're getting him in the fourth sometimes or the 3-4 turn pretty often on underdog. Um, that's one where I'm like, you know, Cook didn't sign when he visited. <laughs> he left New York. <laughs> like we, like we, we might have really no reason to be freaking out about this guy at all, other than the known ACL thing, which has trended steadily, you know, towards what they told us. Like, there's no been no setbacks there. So yep. there's stuff where I'm like, huh, that's a big uh, that's a big old discount we're getting there. And then um, I don't know certain guys <clears throat> that I thought would fall like further or move up further. Like it hasn't materialized as much. So I, I just, I don't know. I've been, I've been different from the market in ways that I find, uh, find nice.
0: Normally it is the, or at least so far in the last few seasons where, you know, I've really taken best ball serious. That's exploded, right? We like we have spike week and, you know, you guys are doing ship chasing now, obviously, uh, leg up the whole place has, has the whole market has exploded, but generally it has been in the complete opposite direction of this year. Where, okay, we were getting all these awesome wide receiver values, right? We all remember two years ago, before, before we had the wide receiver apocalypse. And all of a sudden, you know, the whole the whole game has changed from that moment two years ago to now. Like, literally, the whole game has changed. And it was like, fuck, you know, I, I'm not getting the teams that I want anymore. I have to do something different. I have to adjust. Am I going to chase, right, last year? Am I going to chase keep chasing pits up am I going to keep chasing Gabe Davis up am I going to keep chasing whatever all these guys how do you handle that stuff and it was almost always guys that I wanted and I had to figure out how to do and the guys that were falling I was like yeah I don't want you know I don't want and this is a horrible example I didn't want Josh Jacobs I didn't want David Montgomery and so like then I'm I don't care it's like fine let them fall and then actually it saved my ass because the only time I got Josh Jacobs was after the crazy fall, and so mm-hmm. like kind of not what well, we're not exactly how we're going to speak about it in terms of getting less things right as like a pillar of your draft strategy, but it is sort of that way as well from a portfolio perspective. I don't have to really be right about Josh Jacobs. I can be underweight, and I just got the best price last yeah. year, right? It was yeah. easy. Now <laughs> this year it feels the opposite. It's harder because. The guys that are falling are the guys that I was already interested in. The guys that are rising, it can be okay if you're kind of out on the risers. But, like, I, I, I'm not necessarily – I'm definitely not out on Sky more. But every time I, I log into the app or get on my computer, he goes up five picks. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like the opposite of Dobbins. And so how you f- figuring out how to, how to handle that, it was so much easier for me before than it is this year, I feel.
1: like. Yeah, although you want to talk about getting fewer things right. Like, if um... – if Brees Hall has a good year, I'm going to have a good year. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's where we're headed with that as far as my yep. portfolio management. But um, yeah, I think like you know the Sky Moore one is a is a good one because he's he's been a riser. I think it makes sense that, that he should be a riser. It kind of he mm-hmm. hasn't risen. He's sort of risen appropriately. I think. I think it so, hasn't too. been uh, too too frothy like it was last year uh you know it is he is expected to be a starter this time which is nice Uh, (laughs) yeah Yeah, you know weird but um you know but he's also one where like i uh, and again unlike last year i'll probably cool off on him as he continues to rise more i'm at 11 now on underdog and he's one where i'll probably finish underweight but to your point about trying to get the best prices my sky will be early sky and i'll you know, if I'm at six and a half, seven percent, I'll have early sky and I'll feel yep. better about that. Um, I was always trying to have them stacked anyway, so you know, it'll be. I think I'll feel pretty good about my shares. Just, just as we talked through some of these guys who aren't falling, or you know, like Mike Isiky is like probably the poster boy of like, how is this ADP still here? <laughs> yeah. He's he's at 193 right now, and Hunter Henry is at 205, and I tweeted today about this like we should probably stop drafting hunter henry's backup ahead of hunter henry that the athletic just had they, like some bullet points from takeaways from from patriots training camp one of which was burying Tyquan thornton um which is not good because <laughs> RAP, most yeah. yeah most um training camp stuff is hype there's a reason why we talk about the training camp hype because everyone looks good they're running around they're healthy they worked out all off season if someone's like getting a lot of negative news, I think mm-hmm. that maybe is more
0: important because, like, that's not like what this time of year is for.
1: You know, right. it's, it's the Trey be- Lance.
0: It's the Trey yeah. Lance. The, the warning exactly. signs went off so quickly last year with Trey Lance when Kyle Shanahan's saying he sucks to, to right. the media because there's no reason for you to bury your own players. <laughs> there's at this no time reason. of year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Hunter Henry, this one of the, the point
1: of Hunter Henry here was Hunter Henry is tight end one over Mike Gesicki. And talked about how Gasicki needs to get his act together, so that the Patriots can operate out of twelve as much as they want. The idea that he's challenging Hunter Henry when they're in single tight end sets, which will, by the way, be the majority of the their passing attempts, because that's how yep. every NFL <clears> team <throat> operates, even the ones that run heavy twelve are like doing it like a third of passing attempts at most, more like a quarter. Um, so you're already—I don't really understand what we were doing, but now it's like, God damn, we might not even be able to run twelve with this guy. So. That's like, there's some, there's still some spot. Now I, I expect that those spots correct, that all of them correct. And so yeah. I think for, I don't understand what is happening, but ham, I think <laughs> we need to stay strong and hammer. Like just take Hunter Henry today, you know, like take those guys. If there's something that's not making sense, I think this, I think all of these opportunities are going to go away and you may not agree with every, you know, what those opportunities are in every case, but you should agree with this one because I'm right. But Hunter Henry grab him before the discount is is gone because this none of this has ever made any sense. I did burn I a poodle taking Mike Kosicki. I feel bad about that $7. But but other than that, I literally heart have have not drafted this dude a single time. It's been obvious from the jump that this is that he's a backup tight end even if you look at the contract stuff. So, I, eventually we're not going to just get to draft a starting tight end uh 10, 15 picks after his backup So, I would,
0: in some ways, I think like you have to stay strong when the market's being weird. There there are times when the market is wrong. This is not the fucking stock market. Okay. The fantasy, like fantasy football is wrong all the time. We just, we've, we've, we've just mentioned half the guys we've been wrong about the last couple of years. Trey Lance got up to like the sixth round and was not even the goddamn starting quarterback for the, for the, for the team. Okay. Sky Moore (laughs) basically never played for the Kansas City Chiefs, Justin Watson was pl- like Skymore couldn't yeah. get on the field over, over total losers, <laughs> right? Like, and got all the way up into whatever, the seventh round of yeah, drafts. Yeah. We all bear Josh Jacobs was a meme for if you draft him, you're a moron and set the fantasy world ablaze. Yeah, last year. We're going to be wrong about a bunch of stuff. We're wrong about a lot of stuff now. Of course, directionally and from a macro perspective, the market is generally smarter about certain things, but also it can be like for whatever reason, it can have the wrong read on situations. And the Hunter Henry one has been the single most baffling one to me. More than Dobbins, more than any of this other stuff, more than being worried about Brees, more than all this shit. I cannot figure out the I have to force myself every time because I take lots of tight ends in the 17th 18th round lots of like a lot of people do and I have to force myself to take the other guys not Hunter Henry otherwise I will have him on every fucking team that I draft like I I actually don't have enough of them I have less of them than I thought because I I I I only have 11 guys there I only have 11% because I like all those guys and I generally am doing what we'll talk about here shortly trying to figure out how to bring the tight end into play to make it easier on myself by getting less things. Right. right. I don't right. want it. I don't, and technically taking a stand, you can say I have to get right. If I just have 50% Hunter Henry, all I got to do is be right about Hunter Henry, which is not the world's worst idea, but you know, you bring a lot of risk into your, it's better your than doing it with Kasicki. Yeah. Yeah. You could be worse. You could, you could take, yeah, the, the, you could take the guy who's going to hold a clipboard the whole fucking time uh, and take that in. I have, Invested 30. T- I just looked 30 total dollars into Mike Kasicki. So a BBM team and a Damn, puppy dude. team. Uh, uh, yeah, what a fucking way. I should have wiped my ass with that 30 with that 30 dollars. <laughs> I would have used it better. But same thing. I Look, literally
1: drafted seven dollars to Mike Kosicki. It
0: out was of
1: 421 it, finished teams.
0: I don't remember the teams, obviously, but I can tell you it is a situation where I'm I'm willing sometimes to just be like, whatever. I fucking hate this guy, but it's the last round. And I always take Hunter Henry on this team. And so I'll do it once. And like, but I do feel like you don't have to do that in every situation. And I, particularly in the later rounds, I don't, I think you can say I'm right. Like you said, I'm right about this Patriots thing. The market is wrong. I don't, I don't care that the market thinks that Mike Kosicki is better than Hunter Henry. I think it's okay to to kind of take that stand in certain situations. Other ones, you know, like um the Chiefs widers, non, the non. Kadarius Tony was what the, I was
1: gonna bring up right, because that's one where seat I've seat.
0: been so now I'm now I'm
1: taking Kadarius Tony. And I mm-hmm. and I got some pushback on ADP chasing today. I got some really kind of kind of reactions when I was like, yeah, dude, I'm taking Kadarius Tony um at the eight nine turn because I either have Burrow or Mahomes, you know, in these when I take them." And I had very little Kadarius Tony before this. Uh, super hard fade, but the ceiling scared me with Tony. Like, I think he does have the ceiling. I've never doubted that he has a ceiling. Mm-hmm. It's just the likelihood that he reaches that ceiling versus the amount of times where he leaves a hole in my roster as my wide receiver three or four, where he was going before. Yep. And now it's like, well, he's probably my wide receiver five. I don't know how many games he's missing. It could only be like one, two, maybe three, right? Or none. But- Or none, but probably every time you say none, everyone cracks up because they know it's not none. And I know it's not none, too. He's going to miss some. But, you know, but technically it's not definitely not none yet. Whereas, like, Jameson Williams
0: is going to miss six, and he goes right next to him. Right next to him, and it has one career reception. (laughs)
1: you know that seems like a lot of risk to take on so you know i I was told on adp chasing you know pat there are more than two options you don't have to
0: just take one of these two guys yeah but the other ones are really bad too i don't like who who specifically around pick 100 at wider right bateman has fallen there he's the kind of the easiest answer obviously but like Michael Thomas hasn't been useful for fantasy football in many a season, right? Tyler Boyd is the wide receiver three on the team. He only goes yeah. there because he's on the Bengals and you got Bengals. Because we Chiefs need a stack. And, yeah, right. Odell. but something. I'd rather take Tony as a bring back
1: than Tyler Boyd. Like if I have Burrow, I'd rather have Tony than Boyd.
0: Right. Who like, wins you the the millions of dollars at that price? It's Kadarius. Yeah. Tony, it's, it's not Kadarius Tyler. Tony. He goes off it's in week Tyler.
1: 17. They throw a million times. Tony, you know, does his thing. He Makes some cool
0: moves and doesn't get hurt. And we're all we're all richer, you know. At this know. price, at this price, yeah, he doesn't need to be perfect. When he was going at pick seventy right. or whatever, you need a lot more. And I know it doesn't seem like a big deal. It's like ah, two rounds, okay, whatever. But deal. the the tier that he has now moved into is so like, dude, he was going by. Dotson and and Addison and Gabe Davis and uh, obviously the Ravens guys and all he was going you know ahead of a lot of those guys now he's going by like I said Jamison Williams Michael Thomas Juju Odell like these guys are not hard like these guys are not burying you I guess Michael Thomas technically could but like these guys are are not burying you and so the opportunity cost is like almost nothing.
1: Yeah, and and also, like, he provides, I think, some real spike week potential just as, like, you know, it's one of those games where they scheme through him and he gets a ton of targets. We know he can earn targets at a high rate. That's, like, the whole point. And, you know, he can do it in the right weeks. Like, to me, like, I know it's only one turn difference, but what I'm looking for, like, man, this guy won't be in my starting lineup, like, that often. But when he does, it's going to be sweet. Like yep. Andy's Andy's correlated because he's on the, that's the other thing he's on the same side of the board as Burrow and Mahomes, and he's on the side the same side of the board as Chase and Higgins. So like yep. you're feeling pretty good about that that stack you're putting together one way or another, um, and just yeah. So but the reason another reason that I I feel good about taking him like you could argue that maybe not all the risk is is baked in now or that he's going to fall further. I, I think you could have a pretty good case uh, in both of those arguments. But for me, right, I was hard fading Tony before, and now I've got a chance to buy the dip on Tony. And I'm not going to be like overly precise about like getting the exact bottom on Tony. Like if it, yeah. if Tony falls again and I can't correlate him, I'll probably sit that part out. But if he starts to become available at the 10 11, like I will hammer, I will hammer him at the 10 11 there. And, you know, because again, I'm going to be able to get my, my um, exposures with him correlated, which I think is important. But even if I could get like Kelsey and Tony and not do it with the quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. if you were to fall a little bit further, I think I would start doing that and just kind of like as the risk becomes more priced in draft him so that I can get exposure to the upside that I never doubted that I always believed in, but I just didn't think it was priced correctly relative to the risk. So there's certain guys like a where I'm like, this dude's a straight up backup and I won't take him and you can't make me and mm-hmm. then there's guys like Tony where I'm like, I'm going to like swallow hard and fade this guy because I don't think he's priced
0: correctly. But if that changes, I want to be aggressive. Right. I And I think it's such a good example of, look, if you, if you <clears throat> believe or whatever that there is zero paths to relevance for Kadarius Tony, I think you're wrong. Um, if you think he has no upside, right? He doesn't have that tournament winning upside like we're talking about. I think you're wrong, but that's fine like why people disagree all the time on these types these types of things but if you can acknowledge the fact that he has monstrous upside being stubborn during the fall and also like you said trying to perfectly time the bottom is like kind of a fool's errand like you're never gonna be completely perfect on it right okay he bottoms out at i bought him at 112 and he bottoms out at 120 like did you it's really a tangi- range of wide receivers anyway? And ADP, how it has to come through, like think about ADP, right? How it has to come through is in a binary number, but really it, it's literally in the name an average draft position. It means he's going in some form of a range, and so yes, did you get the absolute perfect bottom? No, but you also have to consider like this isn't. This isn't DFS where right the price comes out. The price is the price I get to buy it and put him in my lineup, and and next week I can worry about next week. You 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 only get to do this for the next month. Time is a factor. <laughs> the amount of drafts that you're doing is a factor. If you want to have exposure to Kadarius Tony and you're really that worried about right as he's falling like you said you're gonna buy him now as he's falling because this is the perfect time to get your bit of exposure on a guy you thought was overpriced before but can win you the tournament carrying like massaging two spots of adp value right or even like five or ten spots of adp value and then not getting him during this fall is like cutting off your nose to spite your face like you're you're trying to uh quote clo- the maximum closing line value instead of accomplishing again like the things that we're going to talk about like the goal of getting less things right i'm trying to win a best ball tournament i'm not the, i don't get any more money by extracting you don't the get exact, awards for sickest yeah. like value <laughs> right Sick, nice dude you got it's a, fun a,
1: like the lowest tony in the tournament like that's not when what i'm playing that's not the
0: game yes when i go to the bank and i tell them Look, I didn't win any money in Best Ball this year, but check out my fucking CLV on Kadarius Tony. It, you guys, it out. would you guys put that? Yeah, I'll bring my Draft IQ over to my local uh, credit union and <laughs> say, Draft IQ. Wow, well, what do you? Will you guys take? Look at this average ADP difference on Kadarius Tony. It is sick. Will you put this into my, <laughs> my bank account, please? And they will, you know, obviously. I would like me to spend the, this now. Yeah, they will say, yeah. well, we might have considered it, but you drafted so much Trey Lance last year that it's really <laughs> offset. <laughs> your, uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. your money doesn't count here. But, you know, obviously they're being stupid, but that's like the point is like, we have to remember and take a step back, like well, what we're actually trying to achieve here. And the other thing that
1: I would say with Kadarius Tony, right, is that, you know, I mentioned that he's on this, the right side of the board for where I want to draft him, um, where, uh, you know, on the early side of the board, I mean, and the correct side of the board for stacking. Because if you're going to say, okay, I have Kadarius Tony stacked with Patrick Mahomes, that's worth, like in this range, that's worth, like, what, almost a round of ADP, you know, yep. like <clears throat> maybe, maybe more. And then, you know, the, the, the fact that he's stacked with Joe Burrow in a game we all want to, to have stacked. I mean, you don't want that game like really underrepresented in your portfolio if you can avoid it. And here's a great way not to get boxed out of it. You know, you're going to get Kadarius Tony. Stacked with burrow, stacked with the home. it's just very easy, and um, that, that should, I think, alleviate concerns of, oh, what if he falls? Well, if he falls like to, you know, what's he like kind of pick 95 now, yep. if he falls to mm-hmm. pick like 105, people have better prices, but they won't have them correlated as often. So I, it's really like, does he fall all the way back? Um, and I think that could happen, but then I'm going to be very aggressive about getting mm-hmm. to Darius Tony at those prices. So, and I, I, so to me, I'm like, okay, do it fall. Like I want, I would actually prefer yeah. that because now I can actually <clears throat> load up when a guy was fading
0: previously. I, I totally agree. And it is kind of the perfect segue into what we were <laughs> planning on discussing in this concept of getting less things right, which is generally of course about stacking and correlating and you know, the cheesy ass phrase of like, I'm going to tell a story with this, this 18 man or 20 man team that I put together. And when that story plays out right, I win, but the story is a handful of different things that I have said, look, this is the thing, right? We can, you can use, not use your, your team from last season, but we, I, I, I love that team. Well, I hate that team because it had Tom Brady on it and I drafted zero Tom Brady and him being on the winning team was not ideal. And also it was, two running backs to start, which I didn't do very often. So not great for me uh, and the <laughs> brand, but like when you think about it and you think about best ball and you think about what everybody talks about this whole summer, right? Is this guy is priced at his ceiling, or they just don't like a certain guy. Like maybe you don't like Tony. I didn't like Tom Brady last year or whatever. Tom Brady was a horrible pick, <laughs> flat out, horrible pick at four the general idea of what we think of fantasy football, right? I actually um, didn't
1: need Tom Brady, I think. No. I went you back didn't. and looked and I, I didn't need him to advance. I don't think I needed him in any of the playoff weeks. And I you had a two quarterback
0: team. You punted off I your had a two quarterback team whatever. with
1: Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. And I I actually did the I did the DJ Moore Chris Godwin mini before taking Brady. So I actually I could I think I could have taken Tony Pollard instead of Tom Brady.
0: Yeah think and really that. just shit on everybody. <laughs> yeah just <laughs> destroyed Everybody, but there are teams out there that did need Tom Brady to right. win. You know, the DraftKings Millie team had—I <laughs> forget who the other quarterback was—but had a four had four quarterbacks, and one was Jordan Love, and one was like I'm making this up, but like Min—it wasn't minchu but it was somebody like that. Yeah, had four quarterbacks. He had the Eagles,
1: the- but not with Hertz.
0: Exa- exactly. Um, but <clears throat> point being, also y- you you could say that like the game stack element does, you know, I know you didn't need Tom Brady, but you were correlating and trying to get less things right. right? This is the point of this, this show. Yeah, literally the point is, yeah, Tom Brady wasn't ended up being the guy that you needed, but the way you built that team and correlated it together, literally the whole goal of every, basically every pick you made beyond whatever, round three or something on that team was with the intention to get less things right and it basically all played out Now it played out in a weird, obviously week seventeen, uh, Bill's Bengals was weird and crazy last season. The fact that you didn't need Tom Brady on that team is still like kind of bizarre, right? that the way it played out is crazy, but that is the point. <laughs> that is the whole point is we don't have any idea how this is gonna play out. the the things like, uh, you know, now this isn't drafters. Right. Even drafters is a little bit different. We've talked about uh, like Kittle being more valuable than Kelsey on drafters, even though Kelsey just destroyed everyone at tight end. But the, the goal is to win this silly game that we're playing and it doesn't play out in just, did you pick the best players? You notice Josh Jacobs is not on your team. Actually two early round running backs are on that team and Saquon was good, but he actually didn't even help you in week 17. Right. He helped you of course throughout the whole season, but like there's so many weird little nuances that I think the whole idea of getting less things right, well, like drafting like you're right and getting less things right, they're ultimately kind of the same thing. But when you kind of power them together and think about what you need to play out to win one of these and truly how insane it is, it's probably the number one lesson I think anyone should should take away, like into a best ball season. When you put together that team, how do you get as few things right as possible? You don't want to hit an 18-leg parlay because guess what? You are not going to hit it. <laughs> no one is. That's, you're not yeah, going that's to. That's the thing
1: yeah you so when you're putting together a lineup right because they the point because i've I've seen some pushback where it's like you know you know what like Pat really did is he like picked the guys who scored the most points in week 17 and that's that's how he won and you're like, well yeah, I mean th- that's true. I did have the team with the <laughs> most points in week 17, true. but like you know it is I think the you know, one criticism of my team you know that you could say, well hey man the the Bills bengals game didn't get played. But I do think when you look at the teams that were behind me that really could have passed me, because I did have a lead, right? It wasn't like mm-hmm. I right. one with like one point over the next Bills Bengals guy. The teams that were really live to win had stacked that game up Correct. and had bet that that <laughs> game was going to be a shootout. Yep. And those teams could have, if that game shot out, you know, they would have passed me. A few different teams would have passed me if that game really shot out. And I think, you know, rather than saying we shouldn't be correlating because Pat's correlated team only won because a game got canceled. It's actually, in my mind, like, hey, you know, that last game, if you look at the teams that were in really, really strong shape entering Monday Night Football, they were heavily correlated as well. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a funny way, had let's say a ball bounces differently a couple times, my heavily correlated team, Gets passed by a different Sunday team. Some of the teams right behind me weren't all that correlated, and so we might say, you know, we might be saying, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be correlating because the team that won wasn't all that heavily correlated. And then I would be going, but the Bills Bengals game got canceled. were <laughs> stacks in there,
0: <laughs> so yeah. it's like,
1: you know, it's it's just sort of funny that that that's used as a sometimes as a pushback on the correlation. I think it, it, it there were a lot of very good and heavily correlated teams. Um, that were hurt by that game getting canceled. Um, and so, you know, as we look forward to what we can do next year in terms of building out teams that have a chance to finish first, um, you know, that correlation I do think is a very important lever to pull. And it is because we're trying to get fewer things right when we, when we build out these teams. So if you look at my, my team that had, you know, the Tom Brady pick that I ultimately didn't actually need, I, I did take Chris Godwin and DJ Moore. And then I took Brady. I didn't go get a running back, you know, you know, and Tony Pollard, for example, which if I, in hindsight, yeah, take Tony Pollard, you know, <laughs> he had a good year, but um, I'd already bet not only that those guys are going to be good enough to get me to the final. Cause that's fundamentally what I'm trying to good enough to get me to the final. Yep. But I'd already bet that they were going to have a big week 17. Like I took, I think what DJ Moore in the third round and Chris Godwin in the, fourth or fifth like or something. Fifth so, or, yeah. Yeah. So I, early enough to where I like needed him to do something. And, um, you know, I'm just adding to that bet. It's not, I'm not asking for anything else. I'm saying I've already made that chip is down. I'm just going to add a little bit more to that chip. And then I did that with, you know, some of the other game stacking stuff that I did taking Daniel Jones, the reason I didn't need Tom Brady is because I had Daniel Jones. Well, why did I take Daniel Jones? Because I had Saquon Barkley, Mm -hmm. right? Why did I take Wanda Robinson later? Because I had Daniel Jones. So I'm just building out the bet. I'm actually sacrificing, if I'm doing that right, I'm sacrificing my total ceiling because there's almost no way that the very best possible lineup will be this, you know, Combination of all these players from the same team because sometimes you're taking, you know, multiple. Like I took Tyquan Thornton and Jacoby Myers, right? You know, I'm taking uh, and Ramondre Stevenson. Well, Ramondre Stevenson busted in week 17, but the two receivers, uh, taking pieces. And I had a couple of Dolphins pieces, I had most so he hits the lineup. So I had pieces from that uh, Patriots Dolphins game. Some of them busted, some of them hit, but I wasn't going for perfection. I was going for there's points in the Patriots-Dolphins game, and I'm going to mm-hmm. get them, and I'm going to get them cheap, right? So that was one thing I got right. Points in the Patriots-Dolphins game, available cheaply, was a bet I made, that bet hit. And I, I, that was a bet I made with like five pieces or something, right? And so if I, um, you know, if I tried to play it perfect, odds are I would have been wrong. But but I did, but I did sacrifice the total ceiling of the team because I, I made some bets that were sort of redundant. Like I drafted like I was right in the sense that my bet was there's points available too cheaply in this game. I didn't draft like I was right. That Jacoby Myers was going to absolutely crush. Right. But Cause that wasn't really what I was betting. Like Jacoby Myers at his price didn't need to absolutely crush. So yeah, you need to, I think be willing actually to sort of take some points off the top of what you're trying to do in order to get fewer things right, because you're trying to finish first out of 441 teams in best ball mania this year, 441, It's not that many teams. No the odds that the perfect lineup is in that 441 after coming through, advancing through a 12 team league, advancing through 16 teams, advancing through 16 teams, the odds that someone has a truly perfect lineup in week 17 are extremely low. So that's not even what we're up. That's not what our opponents will have. So why would we be trying to shoot for that at, at the cost of blowing up otherwise really strong lineups?
0: You didn't even need Mike Evans. Mike Evans scored 50 fantasy points in week 17 or whatever it was last year. And you and you didn't even need him to win on, on, on Best Ball Mania. Now, you did need him on, on DraftKings. That was just an so important uh, thing. Like you just mentioned, it's still only 441 Person final in BBM on DraftKings, it's like twelve hundred or something like that in the ten dollar millimaker maker final. So you know that does change the calculus a smidge. We saw Mike Evans be on 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 that team, right? You you may you still want to get less things right, but you may go about it a slightly different way. Uh, you may you not want to, you to, need to you need to get more things right.
1: Yes, I think
0: in the DraftKings. Yeah. How many things do you need to get right? Right, a little That's- more in the DraftKings tournament. And pl- that is a delicate balance, but it's still something you need to be addressing, right, when you get there. It's, okay, I need to get, like, I, I like to think about it um, or two things. One, it, it's like taking a step back of exactly what, what you you just said is like maybe, maybe I mentioned that getting less things right may be the, the most important lesson. Understanding the game that we are playing and the reason why we're having this conversation is because of 100% what you just said. I'm not trying to build the perfect team at no point in this game. Do you ever have quite frankly, you would rather have an imperfect team that sneaks its way there into week 17, because it probably means you now have a better chance of winning the 3 million, right? You had a bunch of leverage points because I had Tom Brady. Yeah. You had Tom Brady, Yeah, Austin Eckler was was great, but he was outperformed by you know the Jackie Jeffersons Depperson. and 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 those guys of of the world. Saquon was fine, but he was outperformed by Tyreek and AJ Brown. He was pretty and, chalky, actually. Saquon was, w- tra- was chalky. Okay, but yeah. but and which is funny because then he busted, and you happen to have right. that, you know, just another right. thing that uh, uh, is funny and chaotic. But you're right. So you said you have to beat. Eleven, not even all eleven, because two people, right? You got to beat ten teams from weeks one to week fourteen. Then you got to beat fifteen teams, and then you got to beat fifteen teams. And okay, now you have a a little bit bigger group, but it's still four hundred and forty one. Is that's a very small field DFS tournament? If you're playing it's like, DFS, what,
1: what does it start with? It's it's over six hundred thousand this year.
0: Yes, yes, it was uh, half a million
1: last year. Roughly four hundred six hundred
0: and seventy seven thousand teams, and down to no four forty one. And and at no point before 441 do you ever have to beat more than 15. And now that's hard, and that's a lot, because they're going to be really good team, right? We've outlined that in past shows how hard hard it is. But you don't need perfection at any point. What you need to do, all this game is, You don't need to be perfect. You need to beat your opponents. There is a massive difference, and I don't think people think about that enough. The goal of this game and what you did last year, and I understand, like you said, the pushback of Bills, Bengals, or whatever, you need to beat... Your opponents, you don't need perfection. If you needed perfection, guess who you would have needed last year? Mike Evans. And boy, would our fucking brains be in a pretzel right now if we had to do the, go back and say Mike Evans was the worst second round pick I can remember in like fantasy football history and you needed to draft him. What will we be yeah. talking about? I, right I think now? we'd be talking
1: about. I think we just all be asking uh, Liam Murphy who the, the who those ter- those low advance rate players because that's that's his talking point you, you know dra- intentionally drafting trash shitty players picks mm-hmm. because they're going to be low advance rate guys and then they're going to crush the playoffs and then you win money <laughs> it's like
0: I mean to be honest <laughs> but maybe there's something to that idea given I, that Mike Evans kind of was that guy yes but there is something is to wild. it. I don't know how the hell you do it in part you actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It I think the idea sounds pretty good. If you can tell me how to do it, I'm I'm totally down. I'm absolutely down for that. But that's the point, right? If you needed perfection, the players like you, you wouldn't have wanted Saquon on that team because guess what? Saquon wasn't perfection in week 17. He was a second round pick. That was a bust, right? Ramondre was an awesome. These guys were good picks throughout the whole year, right? Ramondre was one of the best picks in all fantasy last year. Didn't, didn't want him in week 17. Not didn't want him, but he didn't help you in no. week 17, yeah. right? Etc, etc. This happens every year. Guys who are awesome. You know, Justin Jefferson, a couple years ago, uh, or not Justin Jefferson, a couple years ago, Justin Jefferson last year. And, uh, Oh my God, Mark Andrews, right? Josh Jacobs, all these guys that have been huge advance rate players have failed in week 17. And so if we're trying last year, Travis Kelsey, right? Another great example. You are only trying to beat your opponents and knowing the level of variance that is involved in this game and knowing that we never really have to beat that many people along the way, right? 440 in week 17 is what we have to beat. All I want to do is make it as easy on myself as possible to beat those people and how so how do you beat those people i am building a team so that these certain little things have to happen to me and it's only a handful of them right yeah four five yeah. six seven or whatever they're, Not 18. They're, pretty, they're pretty awesome things
1: like you, you were asking yes. a fair amount from those things like how about austin eckler uh scores a 72 yard touchdown <laughs> and just like balls the fuck out like how mm-hmm. about that that's a thing you can ask for But like it can happen, but it can happen, you know, but you you're going to ask for some big things,
0: but you're not necessarily going to ask for just 18 separate things. Right. And you don't know which specific like you built for a bunch of these different things. You didn't say I'm building Bucks Panthers. You know that you probably needed something from Bucks Panthers, but you like you had Bucks Panthers. You had Dolphins Patriots. Right. You had the Giants. You had you had all these different things. You didn't know which one of them it was going to be. I don't know. It could have been any of them, right? But you knew that it was one of those. Needed to be Brady, Daniel Jones, or Tua. Needed needed one of those games to blow up. Obviously, you needed, like you said, Eckler. You've made the bet on the first-round pick that it is what it is. Now you need the first-round pick. But you didn't know. You're just putting together, right? That was, let's call that, that, there's your five or six things that you had. You needed something out of those games. You needed Eckler, right? You needed. <clears throat> you probably did need you know something from Godwin, DJ Moore, because they were like some of your first wide receivers. And drafted, they ended right? up being
1: really low owned. I think about one yeah, percent of the field one. had had every one of those three. So that was the other. That's the other thing about like when you you don't need perfection. You maybe don't even want perfection. Is because you, you're able to sneak in several highly drafted, low owned pieces into the final you know, on the backs of other players who are overperforming. Uh, it's like, that's like, that, that's definitely better for you. If you had the perfect Absolutely. lineup, you'd have every guy who was crushing entering week 17. And now you need them to like crush even harder and together. And it becomes um, a little thin, you know, you, yep. like I think fundamentally, like fundamentally, right. We're flipping over a card on December 31st or whatever the <laughs> Thursday is that day. But you, you flip over that, and it just goes, here's what I need. This is what I yep. need to win $3 million. That is the game. Everything that happens before that is just a precursor to the game. It's qualifying entries to the game. The game is here, and it's going to be essentially handed to you because you're not going to remember unless you drafted like a handful. I'm not going to remember, right? Someone's going to hand me, here's it, here it is. Here's the team that you now care about. Here's what it looks like, and you want to go through and go, how does this win? Yep. How does this win? Right. You're gonna go, okay. Here's what I need. I need this, this, this. It's it's highly preferable if you can go, oh man, okay. I need a huge game, you know, out of the the Bengals and the Chiefs, or I need, you know, I need this Jaguars Panthers game to to really blow up, right? That's Mm -hmm. that's one thing I need. It's not gonna be the only thing, but I need that, you know. I need Brees Hall to have a big week again (laughs) because he's crushing, you know. I I need you know, whatever. So you you need like a few things to go your way but you know what they are and you know how how much leverage you're getting i mean there's really no way to predict that i think there's a few levers we can pull you can draft running backs and quarterbacks together a little bit you know maybe you got your you got a quarterback in who's pretty chalky but you've got a a running back that he is on the same team that's not as not as well represented because he's uh you know he hasn't been scoring points because the quarterback you know you got taylor and richardson and richardson's chalky taylor's not something like that but generally, you know, that's going to be very chaotic and you're not going to know until you get there. But at least you would like to be able to see. I'm not just betting on 18 random dudes. Like, here's your 18. You get two cards, right? Two choices. Here's 18 random dudes, root form, or here's, you know, five kind of things that need to happen uh, this weekend.
0: Yep, it is. Uh, I also think back to uh, when Pete and I, a couple of years ago, the year Liam won. Pete and I were making a run uh, up the board in in BBM. Had a pretty good sweat. It was it was almost like the inverse of your team, right? You were like, "All right, Eckler, buddy, Eckler and Saquon, or one of the two. I need you." Right? You were like, yeah. I, I, "I I need you." That was Devonte for us. We took Devonte C D and Keenan Allen actually on that team, and we were like, "Guys, probably two of you." got to come through for us because we bet on only seven wide receivers or whatever. And the rest of them suck. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, we don't don't have a lot else, you know, that's like, you didn't have, you know, you had Ramondre in your back pocket, right. But, and, and most are obviously hit your lineup, but like you were counting on something from Eckler sake. One same thing. We were, we were counting on that. Then we had a couple games. We were like uh cowboy. It was Cowboys Cardinals that year. We were Dak buddy. (laughs) We need you know, we need you. And on on top of that, we had like all low-owned guys, basically. And you kind of had a like a shit ton of low-owned guys on your team, too. And so what does that mean? You're like, Well, kinda need Justin Jefferson not to play not to blow. We we were like that's 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 so true. I needed Justin
1: Jefferson to have the worst game of his career. That's a big thing to ask for. Yes. (laughs) But it it happened, you know, that happened to happen. So yeah, I mean what I would say is when you think about getting fewer things right too, like think about how crazy the things that you're asking for, even if you're only asking for like six things. All right. I need Austin. Eckler to have the game of his life long touchdown on top of like already (laughs) scoring. I need Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver this year to have the worst game of his entire career. You know, I need Tom Brady to wake up and start throwing touchdowns to Mike Evans. (laughs) Like it's three years ago. You know, like these are crazy things, but you, uh, but you know, if I, if you could, you can maybe ask for a handful and then actually to come through. But if you're asking for, you know, a dozen, 15, 18 things, it's just not going to go your way.
0: Right. Because you're also going to need, like we just mentioned the fades. I also conveniently left off uh, Pete and I did have Jamar chase when he scored the, the, you know, four touchdowns, 50, 50 point point game, same thing. But you need, even if you draft 18 individual players, no correlation, no nothing. You need, obviously, to hit eight of them yourself, right, which is already tougher than having right, a quarterback stack with a wide receiver, bring back, whatever. It's already tougher. You've made one or two more bets at least. You also still have to are going to have to make the – okay, so even if you have Justin Jefferson, right, you're saying, I just need Justin Jefferson to come through. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL, and he does. You still need Mike Evans to not happen. You still need, I mean, I don't want to really do the Bills-Bengals thing, but you need the Bills-Bengals game to not be canceled. You need, you know, or low scoring. You need, um, uh, you know, whatever, Uh, tight end, whoever the, you know, Travis Kelsey. You know, you didn't have Justin Jefferson. You need Travis Kelsey to separate from the tight ends, which seems like, oh, no big deal or whatever. Well, he didn't do it in week 17. He doesn't do it every week, right? You need him to separate in such a way that your first round pick at, a, at the, that position is really valuable. You can't have, right, you can't have the Evan Ingram 40 ball like we had in week 15 or 16 or whatever it was last right, year. Right. You can't have that when you have Travis Kelsey. And you got to – that's a lot of tight ends you got to fade, right, having, having a multi-touchdown game or whatever. There's so many that I don't want to ha- – right, right, when you said you flip over that card, I'd be like, okay, one, two, three, four, five. All right, that's it. That's how I win. Those five things, right? Justin Jefferson fails. Those three games do well. And Austin Eckler. Boom. I, I see my path. It's really straightforward, right? And like I said, for for Pete and I, it was yeah, like. Yeah. And, my, and my, I, the other one, I guess, would be George Kittle has a big
1: game or no one else has. No, no tight end has a big game. And I had George Kittle scored a touchdown, I believe. I think he did. And Mike Gesicki also scored a touchdown. And either guy could have hit my lineup and it would have. It would have been fine, um,
0: but yeah, that's that's, that's we, we that found out why Gasicki is that's why that's why Gasicki keeps going so high. Is he? He came through in week <laughs> seventeen last year. I guess we've, so. we've learned that that's all that matters. Over the course of the last two years, is week seventeen, and Gasicki is a week seventeen uh, champion apparently. Well, Gretz makes uh, fun of me because I just tell every single player who was
1: on my team in some some capacity, <laughs> but but Kasicki is the exception. I've, I've been yeah. burying him.
0: Yeah, so you're not total, you know, you're not total <laughs> hypocrite. See? But um, I'm objective. The the, the 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 two. Yeah, Tom Brady is retired, and he's on all of Green's <laughs> Superflex teams or whatever. <laughs> he's uh, gonna play
1: for the raiders man
0: yeah he he, he <laughs> might at, at this rate if the jimmy g practice reports keep coming out that the guy <laughs> the guy you know can't can't complete a pass but yeah. the, the 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 there's two like kind of phrases that i really really like that apply so perfectly to this like get less things right conversation and the the, the very first one Uh, We've talked about it a bunch. I think Pete might have said it first or we've kind of stumbled across it like as a collectively as a group. But it is basically the idea of would you do you prefer to be right or win money? Right. And it's kind of like what we talked about with this this whole game thing. If you if you want to come in and say, I got the best player takes uh, and maybe you like uh, there's a there's a one percent of people out there that that are better able to pick players. Yeah, I agree. I think in this game, it is less advantageous to be able to pick the best. Right, if you pick Josh Jacobs, no one is saying that's a bad thing. But he didn't actually help you in Week 17. Right, Justin Jefferson actually hurt you in Week 17. Travis Kelsey hurt. If you pick the right guys for the whole season, it's a different thing than picking the right guys for Week 17. However, right, there are some people that are are good at it, but most people, including myself. I think I have an edge in a handful of different players, right? Like, I think I can diagnose the Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki thing better than the average person. I think I'm able to find, right, Jerome Ford. I was drafting Jerome Ford in the big board. Like, I think I'm able to spot some of those little things here and there, but it's like a handful of situations over the entire play. I don't know better between, you know, Zay Flowers and Bateman. I, I don't know. Flip a coin. You tell me. I don't know. I have opinions, but I don't actually have an edge in a lot of that. So I'm my, but even even if I did, the goal of this game is not to be right, and that sounds crazy, but like I'm not setting out to predict the future. There are other avenues for me to make money Mm -hmm. at predict. Right, I can bet player props, I can bet futures, I can bet all this different stuff. I can buy DFS. Right, I, I can do all this different. Hey, wheels up, Sam Howell. By the way, week one, 4,900 on uh, on on DraftKings against this. Arizona I'm in on Cardinals. this. I'm in on I mean, I think Sam Howell's gonna be fun. So you know, I'm gonna he's I mean, gonna lose me a lot one. of money in best ball, but I'm we're gonna get it all back in week, <laughs> week one against the against the Cardinals. <laughs> but the, but like you are not. Once you can get that through your brain, and it is hard, honestly, it really is. It was hard for me in DFS for a long time. I've written about this, like I got my ass kicked in DFS for the first multiple years that I was playing because I came in and I, I I was pretty good at fantasy football. I had played football. I understand the sport of football. I had coached football. Like I I was the I know better guy. I came in and I said no. I, and I like to like I do like to watch the game. I used to like rewatch games. I just like kind of the X's and O's of yeah, football and great. all that. So I thought I knew better. And frankly, I probably did compared to most opponents, but it didn't help me win money. It actually actively made me lose it, made me lose money more. And so I was trying to be right. I was not trying to win the game of DFS. And it's once you can realize in best ball, it's actually kind of freeing, uh, frankly, once you can like realize that, yeah, there might be a couple guys you have an advantage on, but the rest Don't your, your goal is not to accurately predict the future for all of these guys. Your goal is to create best ball teams that can win you $3 million or $300,000 or $100,000 or whatever. And once that like really sinks in, you will, you might take the falling Kadarius Tony, even though you hate the guy, you might take the falling Kadarius Tony because it, it, Allows you to better have a shot at winning this tournament, as opposed yeah. to being right about Kadarius Tony. You could be right about Kadarius Tony, and and end up You'll being lose. wrong in terms of losing. You know, you will still yeah. lose money because you're wrong. About, and and be, right you can that. you can be
1: right about Kadarius Tony and still lose to a Kadarius Tony team. Yes, because like what I would say, if you're thinking about fading these guys. This is why the Kadarius Tony one always made me nervous and why I want to draft him at a discount, even though the discount comes with him being injured and missing some of the season probably. You know, it's not like a free market panicking over nothing discount. I mean, it reflects like a a real change. Yeah. (laughs) But but it also is a significant (laughs) discount and moves him into a different tier of players and, you know, everything we talked about before. When I think about, look, I, I genuinely think like, It's it's hard to like think about this backwards because we're so used to fantasy football where you know you're just you're trying to get to the playoffs and then you're gonna you have this great team you're trying to win in the playoffs but like these are it's four different rounds and truly the most important round is the final round and so like it doesn't really matter at at a certain once guys are at a certain price this this kind of all changes like the further into the draft you go the less i'm going to care about what you're going to do for me in the regular season and the more i'm just focused on can you spike for me in week 17 does this player make sense to bet on to spike in week 17 because does it is it sort of a new random dude i'm adding like jalen hyatt i will occasionally if i need the wide receiver just throw on as like a Mm -hmm. maybe he spikes in week 17 play but i much prefer it if i got matthew stafford or Daniel Jones, because then I'm already bet on that, or even if I have other pieces from that game without the quarterbacks, yep. I've already bet on that game to do something, so, oh, Hyatt's Hyatt's yeah, maybe the thing that speeds up that game. That's why all these other guys are, you know,
0: in this high-scoring game environment. Cooper Cup and Jalen Hyatt feels like a pretty a clear way to see and envision a Week 17 game that goes really well, right? Hyatt catches two long ones, and Cooper Cup just dominates on the other side and yeah. like, catches 15 balls or whatever, like he does. Like, it seems pretty easy to see that path. So, like, Exactly, so, like, and, like, if you don't have Stafford, like, uh, who cares? You know, you,
1: you might prefer to have him, but if what if you have Jalen Hurts or something, and he also blows up, so... Um, Yeah. So that's why I like kind of mini correlations too. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're thinking through like Kadarius Tony, you know, or a player like that, where you're like nervous about being in a fade position with them. I think the question I'm trying to ask is like, at this price, can this player, you know, be someone that I flip over that card in week 17? And I'm like, okay, let's go. Not, can I get this player to week 17? What happens if I see that they are on my week 17 lineup? Is that Mm -hmm. making me psyched or not psyched? And with Tony, I think it's pretty clearly psyched. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. You know, and then you can argue about, and you and I had a difference of, of opinion on this, what price makes sense to, you know, bet on him to be on that week 17. I didn't think it made a ton of sense to bet on him to be Mm -hmm. on the week 17 team at a sixth, you know, late sixth round price or early seventh. Uh, I do now at the eight nine, but, you know, I just, it comes down, we're essentially saying how likely is he to help you get to week 17? How likely is he to really smash in week 17? And so everyone's going to be a little bit different on questions like that. But I think the fundamental thing, what you're asking yourself, you know, can this player win something for me in week 17 is really the fundamental thing.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, um, it's so another god there's so many like phrases. I'm getting very I'm clearly getting older because I have all these catchphrases and everything that I that I, I latch onto but so like the idea <laughs> of basically what you just said is what do I win when I win right which sounds like the stupid Drew what Dinkmeyer, the, uh, the, the, the dink the dink piece the, the dink, what, yeah. what what like if this player hits, what does that mean? Right. And part of why I didn't draft Tom Brady last year was because they, at that price, I know it's position also. Right. Pocket passing, old quarterback. I didn't draft a ton of Brady either, by the way. I, I, like, I, I drafted some like, of them. I wrote a fucking whole article about don't draft the Bucks, And then <laughs> Mike Evans drops a 50 ball in the, in, the <laughs> in the finals. Felt like a goddamn genius all season, you know. <laughs> um, but old quarterback, right. Just there were lots of issues. But it, it, the, the biggest point was, what do I win if Tom Brady is a hit? A pocket-passing quarterback that needs to needs to do what he did in Week 17. But if, look at what happened. What did you win when Tom Brady went nuts? Nah, Daniel Jones matched him because the rushing quarterbacks can do it really easy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and so, yeah, he smashed, absolutely. But he didn't do what hurts and Allen and Lamar. Uh, Tua scored 40 in a game. You know, like he didn't do... It wasn't such a burial, right? Even uh, I'm not saying Joe Burrow is the is a, a player that you want to fade. But two years ago, right? Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase had the monster game that you needed. Joe Burrow was the quarterback one actually in week 16 and week 17. But it was like 32 or 33 points. There was a bunch of guys that scored 25. You could have won with any, like four or five different quarterbacks. Right. And so that whole like, what do I win when I win with the Brady Aaron Rodgers in recent years, right? It's like, no one is doubting that they're awesome. It's just that what do I, when I flip those cards over, if I have, right, Daniel Jones at, at, you know, at low ownership, like you, like you did, I would rather have that and then then pocket pass in Tom Brady on that team. Again, this isn't to say don't draft Tom Brady or don't draft pocket passers. That's not the point of all this. But it's what do I get when I flip over that card in week 17? Like you said, when I flip over Kadarius Toney in week 17 and he's on my finals team and he's correlated with the bank, right? I got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Kadarius Toney. You tell me if you feel pretty good about having that. T- I, I, I do. Even if he, dude, even if he's like kind of a gadgety player. Yeah, dude. He, he could score three fucking touchdowns as a as a gadget player in week seventeen. If he's healthy, gonna... I'm
1: pretty psyched about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Kelsey has told us. Kelsey told us. You know, I know that he's like uh, uh, this funny meme, right? Tony is a funny meme, and he is. It is funny. The guy has made of pixie sticks, but like. Kelsey was like, yeah, this dude's important to us. We really hope he gets back. We, we need him back, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think all indications are that you would want that guy on your team at the price that you feel comfortable with when you flip over those cards in week 17. Yeah. There are guys, which I, Juju is like the antithesis of this, of of Tony, where like, do I ever give a shit? If I flip over the cards in week seventeen and yeah. Juju is on my is on my team outdoors, in Buffalo or Newing, I don't remember which place it's at, you know, against the Bills with Mac Jones or Bailey fucking zappy as his quarterback. Like, do I ever care about this for Juju? I don't personally. <laughs> Maybe you do, but I do, I, no, I don't. And right. And so, so that's what I mean. Like, the, the, what do I win with Tony versus what do I win with Juju or Adam Thielen, right? Or the, those kind of guys. Like, that's what I'm trying to. What do I win when those things come through? And it's because I'm not trying to be right. I I, I, I draft a lot. I draft Tony. I draft. I drafted a lot of Gabe Davis last year, right? I drafted. I drafted a lot of those kind of like. Kind of polarizing type players, and the the truth of the matter is, most of the time I don't believe it. Like I, I'm not betting Kadarius Tony overs on his season-long player props. I wasn't doing that with Gabe Davis or whatever. It was, I saw what does the win, what when he wins, what does it look like? And Mm -hmm. I see this, I, I see Pat's bank account is my bank account. I'm not going to deposit my, my CLV anymore. I'm depositing $3 million into my bank account. Right. I see that. And so that's where like all of that stuff comes from. And I think it's hugely important because like the getting less things right also plays into this. When I'm, when you mentioned like how you're building your Tony teams, it's like, we're combining all this shit. Tony, I get a burrow chase Tony team through into the final, right? Maybe you throw on Irv or something like that. And you're like, boom, shootout time, baby in the, in this game. Cause I flipped those cards over and you're goddamn right. I'm excited. But you know, heading into week 17 and that's all I really care about. All I got to get that one thing, right. And it has the requisite upside. Boom. Easy game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like if you knew you were going to get that team into the lineup, you would want Tony to have been a bust to that point because exactly. his single week, target earning ability or gadget play touchdown scoring ability is, is really strong. So yeah, I mean, you're yeah. If the guy has the single week upside, then, you know, you're psyched to have him as a part of that team. The other thing I would say is that, because I will draft boring players, right? So some of this applies to the week 17 stuff. And I think that's the most important part of it, but I think it also applies to just roster building in general, where let's say, for example, Brees Hall. I draft a lot of Brees Hall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'm also more likely to draft Samaji Pirine or Jamal Williams. I don't like Williams that much, but I will. He he kind of ticks up a little bit for me when I have a Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. I'm more likely to draft six running backs with a Brees Hall team that, you know, normally with a third round guy, maybe I would only draft five. Yep. Um, I'm more likely to, um, you know, Take guys with a little bit more job security early on in the season, because Brees Hall is going to smash for me down the stretch. That's something that I have bet this team on. You know, if you don't, you don't take Brees Hall because you think he's going to be okay down the stretch, because he's not going to be very good in early season probably. So now he's just a bad pick if he doesn't crush down the stretch. So I've bet <laughs> on that upside profile to really come through for me. So now I'm trying to get fewer things right. So I already know that's going to happen. So now it's like, how do I help this team get there a little bit easier? Like, I, I know that, like, I can probably sacrifice a, a smidge of, of late season, pure raw upside. So Deontay Foreman versus Roshan Johnson. Well, if you have Brees Hall, Deontay Foreman, pretty easy for me there. Roshan yep. Johnson could take over the backfield. He could be an absolute home run. But I I don't need, like, yeah, sure he could, but what are the odds of that happening compared to, I know Foreman's like repping with the ones right now. He's going to have the odds of it
0: happening in the first month or whatever. Yeah.
1: Right. When this team's kind of hurting for points. So I'm like, plus I already have my late season hammer. Like I know, I already know that Brees is a smash. Otherwise I wouldn't have taken him on this team. Mm -hmm. So in this universe, Brees is going to absolutely crush. And uh, also in just the other universes too, but in (laughs) Foreman, you know, I have a guy who can actually help me get there. And uh, you know, so I don't, I, I don't need to like make a second really high upside late season bet. Yep. Not that, not that you couldn't, but in, you know, I'm going to break ties to the guys that are going to help me get this home run of mine to actually matter, you know, to actually get to where it matters. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I don't think about advance rate or, you know, but I do, I do think you can kind of apply this to, to roster construction. Another example would be um, like last year, I took Raheem Moster and Sony Michelle on that team with the idea I'm just I'm just going to get one of these guys right because that was a running back running back start. Those two dudes were gonna hit for me. I knew that. Then I took Ramondre Stevenson. He's going to be a smash. I know that. And now I just need to I'm gonna I'm gonna take two shots at finding one guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm just gonna get Dolphins not Chase Edmonds running back correct. I mean, <laughs> and I'm gonna spend two picks on it. Right so you could do that with Penny and Gainwell. I've I've done that. Eagles did, running back just, not DeAndre I Swift.
0: That. I just did that the other day actually. Yeah. First time. I mean First I think
1: time. that's like Eagles running back scores points and DeAndre Swift isn't the
0: guy. Like that's a I think which also might bet. be true, which also, yeah, which also might just be factually true right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which feels, so I didn't draft, thank, praise Jesus. I didn't, I haven't been drafting much, much Swift like at, at all. So that would be nice if, if I, if I actually got one of these uh, backfields right for once. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually close even with the field with Swift just because I think that that team's going to score a bunch of points. But it's like, you know, I think I'm overweight. Yeah, much pennies really the guy I've played it through mm-hmm. primarily, yeah. but I'm overweight gainwell as well. So but yeah, but I mean I'm willing to take those guys together just because I think Swift is a fairly easy dude to bet against. Like you can we just saw how it could go wrong, and then the Eagles are gonna score a lot of points in general and probably a fair amount of points on the ground. And like if you also have um you know, if you bet on another quarterback, I think taking two stabs at the Eagles to score their points through their running backs that week yep. in week yep. 17 becomes appealing. So you're sort of like, there's different ways that you can do this. Not just you know thinking only about the the week seventeen part of it. Some of it can come down to the the roster construction element. Let's say I have JSN and uh, Quentin Johnston. Well, then all of a sudden Devonte Parker starts to look yep. pretty appealing. Yep. You know, I, I, veteran routes, just get me there. You know, so I will take I I will take Robert Woods sometimes. I've, I've cooled on it a little bit because I haven't heard his name from like any beat writer in a month. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That seems bad, but uh, you know. But there's like boring dudes available later uh, that you know can kind of help get you there in the same way that the running back Mm -hmm. can help get Brees there. One other thing I would say is that okay, let's do a hypothetical. You got Diggs, you got James Cook, and then you've got Hunter Henry and Devontae Parker. So now you're in your 18th round. So you know those those teams play each other right so you got four pieces from that game do you tack on mac jones or do you take a different dart throw from a, another game entirely and to me the answer would come down part, partly to how big is the final week of this tournament how many team, teams advance through each playoff round how right do i need to be that would be an example of you're asking the question how right do I need to be, how many things do I need to get right? If I have yeah. Mastiff where it's six of 12 and then half, it's like three of six, three of six, one of 30. I think I'm just taking Mac Jones. Just like making sure I'm advancing. If it's DK Millie, you know, or let's say there's a hypothetical team, the hypothetical format that had like 20,000
0: people in the final. Like I am not taking Mac Jones. I'm actually taking, I'm, I'm, I, I want this year's Eli Mitchell on that yeah. team or scratch whatever running back. Yeah, yeah. Let's scratch like find me. C Pat, baby. Let, let's go. I know he wasn't running. You know, it was, he was a wide receiver on underdog or whatever, but you get the point. Find me that dude. Like, uh, it's funny. You had Sony, Sony, Michelle. That was the guy who carried Pete and I, that year yeah he was on the Patriots. Sony apparently now retired. That's probably already. why i took him to be honest because you guys uh, uh, had him on your team yeah, the previous yeah. year exactly that's why i take uh mike isicky in those two teams uh because he was <laughs> on yours uh but sony what a funny story sony the sony michelle story is by the way first round pick right and just weird and then on the patriots and uh, no longer on the Patriots, uh, and Gobeko go, lands in the absolute nut spot for fantasy as an 18th round pick. But why was he so powerful? Well, of course, when you hit a scratch-off running back in the 18th round that turns into a workhorse on a pretty good offense, that is the best thing you can do in all of fantasy. Because Sony Sony Michelle was projecting as basically like a top 10 running back, and you got him in as, as, with your last pick. Yeah, that's yeah, insane. <laughs> that's absolutely insane. But He was also not taken very free, like literally not drafted in that best ball mania two or whatever it was, uh, not drafted very often. And so, as you said, thinking about what you said, the Mastiff, like, "Eh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't need that. Let's just fill the roster spot with a known quantity who makes sense on this team. Right. It probably helps me a little bit, you know, uh, keeps my floor up at quarterback, which is important here, right? All these little things in the And that's an extreme example, both in terms of like, it's a high
1: stakes tournament, and it's very flat in terms of who advances, but a lot of tournaments across all different price points will have different final week sizes and how many teams advance through, and like, Best Ball Mania is one of 16, you know, some teams are one of 10, like, I think even that is like a decent difference, some some of the stuff that's not super high stakes is like four of 12 advance, I think you want to Maybe you can you can get away with playing that a little more conservatively. Smaller final sizes, like is the final size. It's interesting. I think the Pomeranian and the puppy, I think the puppy actually had the smaller final. I think that's right. So it was like you actually to me, I was like, oh, I'm gonna play the puppy a little more conservatively than the Pomeranian. The Pomeranian, I was actually like because of the bigger final, I was like, I want to be a little less correlated because like I would I overstack, would I take Anthony Richardson? on which tournament would I rather take Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, and Jelani Woods, right? You might say you should never do that. But, (laughs) like, you know, let's say you had to do it in one of them. To me, it's the puppy because it has a smaller final. And I Mm -hmm. know for a fact that I'm not going to be 100% right about that. But Anthony Richardson goes nuts is a bet that can pay off more easily with some some wrong
0: pieces attached to it in a smaller field. Yeah, I like it with – The Giants, actually, um, is a a, like Daniel Jones is at a very nice, affordable price. And everyone besides Saquon Barkley and and Darren Waller, all the wide receivers are cheap as hell. Do I have any idea who it is going to be? I have no fucking idea. But if you want to tell me, let's just take a bunch of these Giants and be like, Uh, two of them are going to miss and two of them may not make the goddamn team because they got so many wide receivers there. You know what I mean? It is a disaster. I I don't know. I mean, I feel pretty confident that Jalen Hyatt's going to make the team as a third round rookie or whatever, but like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like I, I, Paris Campbell seems like he's the, this guy that's popping up. But if you told me, you know, that it was Hodgins and Slayton and, and Hyatt or fucking Paris Campbell was
1: really having a great camp. I don't think we'd be hearing about Cole Beasley.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cole Beasley, Sterling Shepard, the corpse of Sterling Shepard pops up every single season. And we're just like, yep, he's back running routes in the slot for the Giants. You know, he's he's got one, you know, uh, yeah, he's a he's like a freaking pirate. He's got a w- one leg left now. <laughs> the guy's got hurt so many goddamn times. He's got one leg. He's got a peg leg. Yeah, he's got a peg leg, uh, but he's out there. Uh, okay, though. He's, there. Still, he's a technician.
1: Yeah, exactly. Got away from him.
0: Yes. No, you absolutely cannot peg leg and all. But he, he, like, I don't know which one of the giants it's going to be, but in certain formats, I drafted Daniel Jones. Maybe I didn't get one of the other two guys. Something just happened or I wanted to set up a late round giants thing, which I think is totally viable. I'm just, I don't know. Give me all of them. Okay. Paris, Hyatt, Slayton. Welcome aboard. <laughs> welcome to the squad guys. Cause I, you of you is going to be good. Maybe two, maybe all of you probably not, but I, I don't care in that format. Like you said, DK Millie. I, I, I need like you I'm not saying don't double stack or whatever if no one is saying that, but there becomes this balancing act of to well, betting get, against let, yourself yeah you you can you can only bet against yourself so many times. you can do yeah. it and there it's important to hit on you know uh, stacks and and you do have other benefits of that correlation, but you don't want to do it too much because you need as many shots to find. That Sony Michelle Eli Mitchell Cordero Patterson whatever to find that guy because you're gonna need it to beat 1,200 other teams. It, we talked. We talked about the. I I don't need to. You know. I don't need to be right. I just need to be. I just need to. You know. Win. I'm just trying to win money. This is. I, I don't need to find the nuts in like you said the the mastiff or even in the puppy or whatever to beat 100 people. Not that big of a deal. I mostly just need them to fail. Obviously, I need to score points but like you don't need to hit the nuts this is the other like big thing from dfs for me what i when i learned to find, to finally stop being a moron and build some decent dfs teams my goal on every single slate is actually not to build really the, the best team it is to build the team that wins when all my opponents fail right i want to win the low scoring slates i don't want to win i don't want to win the slates when the DK, the dk Millie on an nfl sunday is 350 points I ain't winning that one because guess who all went off in that week? Everybody that's high owned because everybody's scoring a bunch of points, right? I want to win when it is one seventy-five to win that to win that tournament, and you know all you needed was twenty-two points out of your quarterback and the, those two random guys you threw touchdowns to, right? Because everybody everybody else's team failed. I want to win those weeks, and the same shit is for for best ball. It's the same way. But you have to go about it kind of like you said in slightly different ways across all these tournaments. But that's like the getting the less things right is because I, I I'm not trying to I know all the Giants right wide receivers aren't going to hit right I know all the Colts are not going to hit, but I'm doing that because look I'm just going to get that one thing about the Colts right and my opponents are going to fail, and I win. Exactly. It's like almost that. It's like almost that easy. Exactly. You're like because if you're in a 1,200
1: person final and it's like. Oh, I already bet on Pittman and Pierce. Do I want to tack on Josh Downs? Like, maybe not. Like, maybe let's you we did we got the double stack. You know, let's let's move on to trying to get one other thing right. Maybe it's a very important thing. Maybe it's a leverage running back. You know, and that could be the key piece to you winning this whole thing. It's probably worth venturing out and trying to find another thing that you're going to be right about, but. Yeah, you, if you've already bet on the Colts are going to score a bunch of points in week 17, then, like, bet on that again. And bet, even if it means betting against yourself a little bit in terms of, okay, maybe P- Michael Pittman is actually pretty pretty bad pick. Like, you're drafting – because there does come a point if you overcorrelate where you're not – you're, like, no longer drafting as if you're right with, like, Michael Pittman was a, a good pick in the sixth right. round. Mm-hmm. But you are drafting like you're right. In that Anthony Richardson is gonna blow up in week 17 and you just want to make sure you have all the receivers that are on the because other end someone of this. is gonna
0: do it. It actually at that point, it's not that it doesn't matter because it does, but it matters less that Pittman was the expensive pick because you have you have said a Colt is going nuts because Anthony Richardson is going nuts. I need that guy. I need him to win this small field, right? To win this small field. To win the field. small
1: field. The yeah. huge
0: field. And and I would say BBM yeah. still kind of counts as small field. I think so. I think yeah. so. To win the DK Milley, if you drafted if you drafted Pittman in the sixth round and Alec Pierce, and and then it's it's Josh Downs, it's like yeah, you know, I'm not saying you can't win that way, but you've made it a lot harder on yourself in the in the stuff yeah, where it's, it's less appealing. And 100 people, even, like I said, 400 people or whatever, if you lose, Mike, I mean, you won without Saquon Barkley, right? Like, I'm not saying we want to actively try to win without our our, our top picks, but it you can obviously do it. You get 18 selections. Here would be the argument for it, I think, is that
1: because you to the low-scoring slates point, which is, you know, people talk about that a lot. It's something that I've tried to get better at with DFS is, you know, trying to set up my teams to win when – there is a low scoring slate and that's where correlation really helps you because you did sacrifice total possible ceiling in order to not have to get as many things right. So when does that really pay off when total possible ceiling is actually not that high. Yep. Right. It just weren't that many points that weekend. And so now being on the few right things are really important. You know, that's, like I've seen Leone's lineups, like sometimes he had one like horrendously gross lineup with Ben Roethlisberger that he won with, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like a sick lineup, but it was, it was sick because he's willing to go, Hey, maybe there's just not that many points score this weekend. And I'm going to, I'm going to get on these spots that no one else is going to be on. And when they come through, I'm going to have the points. No one else can have the points. Cause they're, they're chasing these like chalkier guys that wait. Everyone else is searching for the points in kind of the same spots dfs with the ownership stuff is a we can't really replicate that exactly in best ball it's a little bit more random where kind of the the chalk and and stuff falls but who but you can man we've talked about man
0: we've talked about manufacturing it you can't manufacture one you can't manufacture one i can't say in in any micro example right like saquon is going to be chalky so let me put daniel jones and jalen hyatt on on this team you can't specifically point them out but over your entire portfolio you can do those little things that help set you up if it falls your way to have that to have that leverage like you said it's little it's small that that is a micro lever like a micro micro yeah. lever but it, it does it is that's a way that you can at least think about it it's very different from dfs though to your point
1: but the, i think the other thing is different from dfs is that in dfs the people that you're competing against made most of them made their lineups a few hours before and here we're going up against people who made their lineups months and months before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, almost in a previous year. And so, literally, like it's cra- <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So the amount. So if you wanted to say, you know what, I am gonna triple stack Josh Downs and the DK Millie, I think the case would for it would be like twelve hundred and isn't twelve hundred. Twelve 1, yeah, hundred is like
0: a lot of Eight hundred,
1: yeah, a lot of dead. Teams. Yeah, yeah. Lot of dead teams. So I'm just, I'm just gonna try to get. I'm still going to try to get a few, like, I don't know that we actually, we kind of use the DK Milley as like the, the, the big field tournament of, of best ball. But I don't even know that we have a large size no. tournament, you know, in, in, in the sense of what, how many teams are in week 17, like how many teams you need to take down a single week. Mm-hmm. We kind of don't really have anything that you would consider at all equivalent to like trying to win a, a, a millionaire
0: maker or something not like even, that. Not even, not even, not even in the same stratosphere <laughs> of, of twelve hundred. Most people would consider twelve hundred a small field DFS tournament, and I think that that's totally fine. I, I, I personally even gravitate towards quite a bit smaller than that, but that's a personal pref- preference thing. I think a lot of like, like I'm just pulling up right now the week one contests uh, on on DraftKings. The uh, even the four thousand dollar. Millie Maker, right? So you have to pay $4,444 to enter one team into that. It's a million dollars to first place, it's 768 people. So that is the high, that is the nosebleed stakes, right? It doesn't get much higher than that for a tournament. And it's, all, it's closing in on a thousand people in that tournament. So, like, you know, the, you probably the, need to the, get more things
1: right in that tournament than you might need to in the DK Millie. Right. Because no.
0: those are, there's no dead teams. There's I mean, no a dead couple teams there's right. always attrition well, this, there's yeah. always there's all <laughs> there's always some but you know what i mean like percentage percentage basis wise there's like a, like it's literally a handful of the 768 are are paying the rake in the when you get to the 1200 person fight i mean dude i got 3 teams to week 17 on draft game. one in the Millie, one in the 555 and one in uh, like the button hook or whatever uh, of course my good team was in the fucking button hook, which was <laughs> uh, whatever. It was like you know, twenty grand at first. I got like nine. Like the fucking but button hook as a yeah. Like there's 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 millions of dollars up for grabs, and I, I get a really good team into the nine dollars st- single entry or whatever final. Which I mean, no one's com- no one's complaining, but you you know what I mean. My Millie team. I was one of the teams that was paying the rake. Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence team was my was my team for anyone that doesn't remember Jalen hurts did not play. And Trevor Lawrence played like a quarter in, in week 17 because they were resting up for week for week 18. I, is that what's going to happen? You know, no, I, but guys will re- I mean, we will be having guys sitting out in week 17. Yeah, we you would not have
1: dialed play. up those two quarterbacks in your, <laughs> no. you know, your best ball style DFS <laughs> tournament, right. you know, if you were making it that morning,
0: people were playing Gardner Minshew in the, in the Gardner Minshew was probably the huge fucking talking point of, you know, DFS for that little stretch or whatever. When Jalen hurts was, was out. I mean, it, you were not, like you said, you were not playing those guys. And I, and I, I consider like the teams that I draft definitely not. The, I'm not the guy that's drafting the six quarterback teams and the, you know, horrible teams with no correlation and reaching on guys. I'm building teams. I think are very good. And I got to week 17 and I, I was the one paying the rake with the dead team, right? It can happen to anyone, and so there's a lot of them.
1: It's really hard to make the finals. So when you make the finals, like, your best team probably won't make the finals. Like, if you get a team to the finals, it might be, I don't know, like a 75th percentile team for you, 80th percentile maybe. Like, it's not going to be – I had a team that I called very fun zero running back team, and I looked at it all the time. (laughs) <laughs> and it was so, it was so fun. It had like all the guys. It had Tony Pollard, and it was like this great team. It, you know, wide receiver firepower, and it's just like I just would check on. I didn't really like check that many of my best ball teams, but I just checked very fun zero running back team. Like probably every week for the last like five or six weeks of the season, and it got bounced in week seven, week sixteen. It didn't. It got it made it to the semifinals, but then it got bounced. Um, if you had given me a chance to like swap that team for.
0: The team that won, like I wouldn't have even thought about it. I feel yeah, like
1: your running back team can come back to life. Hell yeah.
0: Yep. You know? Yeah. And and we'd be having a very different you would have been uh taking Sklansky bucks to the bank as opposed to the you know my CLV or your or your don't you know what a good pick Tony Pollard was? Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, my favorite it's it's really funny you say that just super quick side tangent. My I had a I think we all have that where. You know, you're you draft hundreds of teams, or you're even into the four four digits. You can't track all of them. But as the season is going on, right, we're all looking. What's the fun of drafting all these teams? We're not sweating them, you know. Week. Let me tell you, when Sam Darnold was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns after week four, I was checking a lot of teams <laughs> that were very very fun. And by weeks, you know, by week twelve or whatever, we were not checking those teams anymore. They were not so fun anymore. But the point, you know, it, it it's fun. There's one team in particular. That was a again, naturally we like zero running back teams, but it was a zero running back team. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Vikings, big Viking stack, big Dolphin stack with, yeah, Pollard, um, Ramondre. Of course, not Jacobs, but like P Ryan was on that team, like fucking nailed absolutely everything smash team blew everybody out of the like it was gonna advance like i knew it by like week 11 or whatever like it was over right i nailed everything and then you get to week 16 right (laughs) and uh uh the old packers uh dunk on the uh i think it was that right was it packers uh uh vikings or whatever but anyway you to uh that was the week was week 17 70 yeah you're right so what was what was 16 uh giant yes so giants right 2724 i'm trying to look at it really quickly right now i think cousins was okay yeah oh that was the hawkinson week it all oh, goes right. to fucking tj tj hawkinson i know jefferson was you know obviously good or whatever but then the dolphins failed um it was just a a shit show. i'm trying to remember the dolphins thing too i'm trying to remember how the team failed but anyway long story short right nothing this team Crushed. It probably would have done well in the regular, like if we had the regular season prizes stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, like you know, would have would have done well. It wasn't like at the very top, but was was doing well. No chance has, has no chance. And same thing as you. If I could have signed up and said, "Give me this team, you know, into week 17, like, oh my God." And even then, guess what? It would have got to week 17, and I wouldn't have won shit because it had Justin Jefferson and <laughs> it didn't have anybody that did anything in week 17. but I would have showed up and I would have said, "This team projects like one of the best teams in this week 17." final hundred percent but Ramondre failed and justin jefferson failed and the dike the dolphins wide receivers basically failed and like everything failed but the team was awesome and so again it's like how hard it is it, like everything comes back to that right it, how hard all of this is and what yeah, we're true. trying to accomplish with our teams and we've talked about it a ton that like you're just trying to hope that when when you scratch off that lottery ticket that those numbers say 3 million, they don't say, right? Free ticket or whatever. Because yeah. like most of the time it's going to say free ticket. So how the fuck do I make it when I scratch that baby off? Like it's these little micro levers. And the, the biggest one is like, I want to get as little, I want to be able to scratch off right as few numbers. As I need to get as, I want to match two, right? I just, I want to match two numbers. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to do the whole bingo board. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to yeah. have to scratch off the whole bingo thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like um, I was trying to find very. So this actually got knocked out in the semis, but yeah, I had, it was Allen and Mahomes. That's why it was so fun because I I actually pulled off Allen and Mahomes on the team, and uh, that's amazing. Pollard. Uh I had my boy Rashad White, so I had like all like my my favorite the brand favorite guys were all yeah all my brand guys were were on that team. Um, yeah, I I think I think your point about like you're just trying to match two is is key like you're you're trying to be able to have a path that requires as as few things as possible is is really kind of the summation and
0: and like you said went so as few things as possible and the ones that when they do happen they win you right cuz there are things that you yes. you can build you can build a team that says i only need these five you said Eric and, and Pat said I just need to get less things right. Here's my five things I need to get right, but it's 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 a combination of all things that really aren't going to even even if they do, even if you are right, right? Even if they do hit, you scratch it off and you got, you know, the two numbers match, but the, the two numbers match and it's still just yeah. a free ticket because it's it's not doesn't uh have the winning the winning upside. And the only thing I'll add to that is what you said before, sometimes it's not always Kadarius, Tony, and it's not always Trey Lance, and it's not always Sky Moore, and it's not always those kinds of swings on every single team. It's kind of like what I would call, if we were appropriately putting rankings into like an underdog or DraftKings or whatever, they would be dynamic. And not static, right? They're static right now. You load them up, and you can't change them on the draft. I mean, you can move guys around your queue, but you can't change your draft rankings. It, like There are times when those boring guys need to be moved up In when you're in that draft, like you said, when I drafted Brees, I need something different alongside Brees, right? Or you're you just have a stack, like, guess what? You you bet on that gross offense or whatever, tough shit. You need that 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 gross offense to be better than expected, so you gotta take that dusty veteran or whatever, right? You bet on you bet big on the Bills, you don't have any more Patriots or whatever, and you've drafted Hunter Henry on every fucking team already. It's like, well, I guess Devontae Parker, Juju got to do something on this on this team like sometimes that for that week right like that's the other thing like you're You're just just for a week man you're not saying they're gonna be third round picks next year you're just saying they happen to need to fill a, a a job for that specific team this is where i think the dfs
1: experience really is helpful because there's players that like they're like you know when you go from just kind of a managed league and you know especially if you're if you're kind of like of the zero running back type of type of thing, where you're like, you know, who's like, kind of the grossest possible like zero running back? Like, come on, man, seriously, we're, we're really doing this? Like, probably like Miles Sanders would be the the example this year, right? Yes. But like, I mean, it's I'll, Mike da- from the last few years. It's Mike Davis, right? It's Mike Davis from the last few years. Yeah. But like, yeah, this this year is probably Miles Sanders.
0: Um, David Montgomery last year. Was- David Montgomery, was-
1: yeah. But I probably played david montgomery in dfs last year like, i don't actually remember doing
0: it. i blacked it out but i'm pretty sure yes. i did i played him against the lions he sucked it was a fucking terrible decision yeah. as it yeah. always is to, to play Dave, to play david montgomery but i know i played him i can tell you i played him
1: yeah so like hard fate or like Najee, right like i'm hard fading Najee this year like i can imagine a spot where like okay jalen warren's out they're in some like extreme like run funnel situation he's actually ran like Pretty well over the last three weeks. Pickett's
0: looking good. The offense is moving pretty well. You know, or even shootout catching a bunch of check checkdowns. Right. That's yeah. how, That's why. That's why Lenny was always get the touchdowns and catch the checkdowns. I don't give a shit about he, if you're good or not.
1: He doesn't look like he's going to be all that popular because there's you know people are kind of breaking ties towards other backs. And I'm like, I just need him for this week. I just need <laughs> Najee to do something for me this week. This is about a is out on a on a kind of player like from a sort of talent for the price perspective as I can be, but it's just a week, man. (laughs) So you you can, and it's like, and all these other things are saying, no, for this week, like this is actually a pretty good play. If we're, if you're, listen, if you don't feel like taking down this 400 person tournament, like don't, don't do it. But like, if you want to, like Najee Harris is actually a pretty good way to set yourself (laughs) up to do it this week. That's that you start to have to think through it like that instead of like, oh, Najee Harris, not for me, <laughs> you know, and it's so much more fun to do it that way. And I, I'll kind of take those types of stands in like an overall best ball portfolio sometimes with a, especially with an expensive player. But, you know, I think I've drafted Najee. Maybe I should have used someone that I have like actually probably actually taken. drafted. Yes. But I, I guarantee you I've taken him at least like I mean, if- once. Yeah, I have. I've taken Najee Harris. Okay, I've done it. It, it Miles, has to Miles vault, Sanders, that's right?
0: Dude, Miles Sanders is that for me? I think he is a straight up horrible pick at his yep. at his current at his current price. Two percent, Miles Sanders. But a, there are other smart people that disagree, and I'm not saying that that's the reason why I'm I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna just give in because other people apparently like me and you disagree about a, 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 a lot of different things. Neither of us fucking give in, but we, we can appreciate what the other person, what the other person is saying. Right. So like, I really, I really, I mean, like, it does refer- make me th- like with the Tony thing, right? Like that's part of the
1: reason I want to be more. It's not that I'm going to just like, Oh, Eric said, should you him drafting the 6 seven tournament, do that. But like right. when the bet changes, I it, like, you it did make me, you're part of the reason where I'm like,
0: I really don't feel like getting buried by Kadarius Tony. And I think he could do it. Right, you don't want. Yeah, you can see that. Like, you don't agree necessarily with the assessment of well, X, Y, Z about a, a certain player. You disagree on that guy, right? I actually, uh, it's funny. I don't want to get into this because you've you've already spent uh, you know about three days of your life debating Dalton Kincaid and oh, Dawson yeah. and Dawson Knox. I I this is one of those where I also I don't believe in Dalton Kincaid. Um, I don't believe he like if I, if I were betting on something, I would He's bet against him. He's a great
1: example of this, though.
0: But he is maybe the widest range of outcomes player in the entire player pool, and so I will draft him on teams where it makes sense. And again, you're talking about uh, uh, like the I need P Ryan on the Brees team. I haven't, say I haven't drafted a tight end, you know, up until then. Maybe I got a good, whatever. I have a good zero running back team, but Warren's already off the board. Kincaid has fallen past ADP. I need some fucking tight end juice, <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe I have Ramondre on that. T- I'm making things up, right? I, I have, I, I need something. I need a swing. I know that Dalton Kincaid could be I literally the worst. State not Juju here. I, absolutely not. Because <laughs> you don't <definitely> have <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, uh, Juju is Adam Thielen for me. He doesn't exist in the, uh, in the, in yeah. the there, there, we scroll past him. Uh, but like, I need that, right? I need Dalton Kincaid. My, if, if if you're asking me to be right and predict something, I would say I don't think Dalton Kincaid is going to do anything for fantasy this year. But I'm also willing to accept this is a first-round pick tight end. We've been drafting all these other bills for years because we know there's juice after Stefan Tiggs in the, in this offense. Maybe it's him. I don't know. It could be. And if he hits, he is the Kadarius Stoney of tight end. If Dalton Kincaid hits – as he is Kadarius Tony of, of tight ends, you're getting him for cheap and probably more valuable, even more valuable to hit. Cause he's a tight end and not a, a wide receiver. And I'm like, I'll take him. You know what I mean? I, I'm willing to set aside what I think about this situation and think about this player and, and all in and the offense and right. Everything, everything you, I agree. I couldn't agree more with everything. Like you outlined, you know, in 12, right. The 12 personnel stuff. And we, why all that is like fool's gold and, Rookie tight ends. Everybody will preach till the cows come home about right. The history of rookie tight. I get it. I know all of that. But there are times when I think Dalton Kincaid is the right pick on on certain on certain Me teams. Too. Uh, Me too. Me too. I, know, I spent I mean. an
1: hour arguing against him. I think he's sometimes pretty good pick.
0: Yeah. Right. Sometimes. A isn't pretty that free? That's like this. This like getting less things right. I know that's not necessarily getting less things right, but kind of in the in the where you're willing to on certain teams acknowledge the fact that other things are more important than our specific opinion about that player in a vacuum right and it really kind of all does go back to like getting less on certain why does he make sense on certain teams it's because I- i'm not trying to be right about that guy i need i need a bill or i need a home run swing at tight end or i need whatever right i i, I need something here's an and he f- he fills that he's the chess piece Right. We don't no one has player takes about which their favorite fucking chess piece is. You just play the one that does the right <laughs> thing. Right. You, they all move in different. They all move in different. They serve different purposes. All the players serve different purposes. Right. I mean, it's right? probably the best it, chess piece. I guess. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah you're, you probably favor the queen, but that's Justin Jefferson. Right. Guess what you don't you don't get to use <laughs> the queen on every you don't get yeah. to use the queen on every single move. Sometimes you got to use the pawns. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like I, it's obviously a stupid analogy, but the point they everyone serves a purpose. Not, not everyone. I don't think Mike Isicki serves a purpose. Right. I obviously don't think Juju or Adam, but those are just my personal opinion. You, you could think that they serve a purpose and that's totally fine, but they all really pretty much do serve a purpose. You just got to figure out what purpose. What that purpose is, and then slot them in when when the time comes for that purpose.
1: A hundred percent. And if you think about it that way, right? Then it's like I don't want to draft Dalton Kincaid very often because I think that the market has kind of lost their minds a little bit with what <laughs> they're asking for from Dalton Kincaid, generally. But what am I asking for from Dalton Kincaid? Let's say I have, you know, a Patrick Mahomes stack, you know, and I've got all this. Kind of stuff built up around the belt, Bengals game, and then Dalton Kincaid comes along, like three picks past ADP, like get out of here, Dalton Kincaid. Like <laughs> I'm not interested whatsoever. Like you don't do anything for this team, and I, you know even if I don't have a tight end, I mean I can go find tight end later. I'm probably gonna want to leave a spot open for Irv Smith, and can grab I can grab Michael Merrick and get Sam Laporta if I want. Like I don't need Dalton Kincaid, go away. But he definitely becomes more interesting if I have Josh Allen. Even then, though, I probably, with Dalton Kincaid, I want to push it a little bit, see if I can get him at an ADP discount, even with Allen, because I think he's overpriced. I might not push it too, too much, but I definitely would prefer would mm-hmm. that. Um, and that's going to give me, if I can get it, right, now I've got Josh Allen stacked with, you know, Gabe Davis and Kincaid and James Cook, and... I've got Kincaid at a really cheap price and my team's like a little bit stronger at running back than it otherwise would be if I had taken Kincaid where he normally goes. And so I'm like, I've got this Kincaid chair, I don't have
0: that many, but this one's it's really strong. Right. You, you get Warren. It, it it can be a big I difference. Get Warren. This, Michael, yeah. You get Warren instead of, instead of uh, Devin Singletary or whatever. Right. As the that could be a big line. difference. I think.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm doing it like that, but what if I have Josh Allen got a nice value in the third round but then JSN fell to the 6th, the mid-6th, because I got Allen mid-3rd. I'm drafting on the middle here. And then I got JSN mid-6th. I'm taking that. Sorry, Gabe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gabe doesn't come back to me in the 7th. I've now got naked yep. Allen. At that point, like, I'd really like to get Cook, um, especially since he's got, you know, some receiving potential. Yep. At that point, like, a slight reach for Dalton Kincaid kind of might be what I'm looking to do. Mm-hmm. So, like... You know, because I already bet Josh Allen's having a huge week 17. I know that. And I don't have any other pieces. So being, you know, getting that pass catcher and giving myself a chance to to capture that touchdown twice, capture potentially a couple touchdowns twice, I think becomes more important. I don't I don't have a stacking partner yet with Josh Allen. So I I would actually probably reach a little for Dalton Kincaid. And this is a player that I, you know, am on record saying is
0: (laughs) wildly overpriced. <laughs> but it really like it's like uh, uh, we all have to learn this lesson. It's kind of like like you gotta. It's like stupid again, like cheesy things or whatever, right? The kid that's growing up, like uh, playing sports or whatever, you got you, you got to strike out in in you know little league baseball before you can become a you know you you kind of got to fall down, right? You got to pick yourself back up. All that stupid cl- uh, cliche bullshit, but it's kind of like that here, where and I, I think this is a struggle for most people. I think. We are one of our biggest flaws in terms of fantasy and just gambling in general is overconfidence. It's probably the number one biggest flaw that, that we have as fantasy sports players. We all have it. God knows I do. We're overconfident about every like every opinion that we have, which is really kind of funny yeah. when you think about it. I'm because, overconfident because,
1: too, but I'm also right, so I'm not gonna worry about yeah, it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's <laughs> that's what I keep that's what I keep telling myself. As I isn't talk. it crazy literally how
1: wrong we are about everything right now? Like I feel I very confident about a lot of things that I am like
0: so wrong about. And it's going gonna, gonna to be a problem in like a month when I realize it, but for now it's yes, fine. I know it's, <laughs> this is the best time of the year because you're also getting so much confirmation bias. Like yeah. most of it is useless, it's right? So but all true. It, you get so it's, much confirmation bias too. It's absolutely fucking amazing, dude. Every Jalen Hyatt touchdown has been so fun because I was the guy. <laughs> I was that guy saying, why is he fall? Why, why are we getting eight? I know he was overpriced when, you know, way, yeah. way way back, but I'm like, he, he's not a fucking 18th round pick. Like you guys have like, the, you're talking about losing your minds on Dalton Kincaid. That's what I, we have lost our mind like what are you talking about we're taking again i I gotta find somebody else besides juju but we're taking juju smith schuster of 100 overall and this dude is in the last round like what what is happening what am i missing but so so hunter henry frankly like you said his price doesn't move who the how is there? They're like six I would, I would submit Alan Lazard as a as a new potential whipping boy. Yes, I like that one. That's a good one. I mean, it was like Russell Gage before, right? Like two, last year or two years ago or whatever. Like Russell Gage for whatever reason was going in like the, the sixth round or seventh round, you know. And it's like, guys, what have what are we doing? This is Russell Gage, right? You know that Marcus Calloway like, was the Mar- one. Marcus Calloway is the absolute best one. That was
1: yeah. I don't think it's collectively. I don't think we can ever top. I believe seventh round Marcus Calloway.
0: Am I right that? The, he was not being drafted when the tournament opened literally undrafted. I dra- I, I got, I, this is a, you want to victory lap something. I, I got a lot of L's that I've taken over the last couple of years, but the, if you want CLV, you, that, that CLV I was talking about taking to the bank, Marquez Calloway was the CLV 18th round. I was like, you know, I, I remember it was, you know, there was him and What do do with all the CLV? Oh, right. Drake, yeah, I know. It was, uh, you want to talk about victory lapping the, uh, the preseason was he's catching all these bombs and then you hop in a draft and he goes higher and higher and higher. And you're just looking, you can go post the 18th round Marquez Calloway teams and everybody. Oh, sick, sick team, bro. Like the team probably finished last, you know, it was a horrible team. I'm sure it had Trey, you know, it's like, I got Trey Lance, CLV yeah, and, on it. and Marquez Calloway, CLV <laughs> and Julio Jones, CLV and all this fucking CLV. Yeah, of all these I players. love Julio Jones, CLV. None of them scored any fantasy points, but you're goddamn right. I got good, good value on them. But you, you have to, I think, like go through that like trail, right? You, everyone does this, right? Scott, it's, it's, they're funny bits, and it's really funny to look back on and dunk on ourselves about all of these things. But it's everyone, like, yeah. But they weren't whole, bits. Like I drafted Sky Moore, I think, was my highest drafted wide receiver last year, right?
1: And Kyle Pitts has I, been, I, you know, like my fact, highest drafted I, tight end, mm-hmm. and. I'm like 99% sure he was. The only question is whether or not he was my highest drafted overall. No, Rashad <laughs> White luckily was my highest drafted overall player. So that one I wanna easier about. I, I,
0: I literally ruined Darrington Evans' career. He's like going to go try to be a YouTube streamer or a Twitch Oof. streamer or, or whatever, yeah, now, yeah, you know, that drafting. One. That was also fun in the preseason and also lots of CLV. So you know, if you want to talk about the importance of all these things, <laughs> at the end of the day, they need to score some fucking fantasy points. It's not just about it. But I'm, I I was re-listening to most of the content that I listen to is generally not fantasy football focused. And I actually find I learn a ton of lessons that I can then apply to this mm-hmm. as opposed to like, li- like, obviously I listen to you guys. I listen to um, uh, Reeves, you know, is one of my favorite analysts yeah. in the history He's of. Awesome. I listen to lots of people, but generally a lot of my content is not. It is sports a lot of the times, sometimes, but I'm re listening to. Um, there's a podcast called The Knuckleheads. It's a basketball podcast. It's actually Darius Miles uh, is uh, the host of it, but they just like interview NBA players and coaches and all that kind of stuff. And they talk about their careers and stuff, but like, it's a lot of, you get behind the scenes about like where these guys come from. They tell good stories. Like Gilbert arenas is telling the stories about when he brought a goddamn gun to the, you know, to, to into the locker room and like all this crazy stuff. And Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players. And I also find him fascinating because he's kind of not like a lot of the big name guy. He's a very more of a, he's from, the freaking boonies in Texas, tiny little town grew up with nothing. Right. And wasn't even really a big time. Went to junior college, went to Marquette and was like a role player. And then turns into one of the best basketball players on the planet. But he literally was like talking about this. And I kind of say this all the time where we're so confident as fantasy football players that like, we know what's going to happen. And then sometimes it plays out and we say, see, I told you, I told you Trey Lance sucked. I told you Sky Moore wasn't going to play, right? I told you Josh Jacobs was going to smash, and A, we overlooked the things that we were wrong about, but we project overconfidence, and Jimmy Butler will say his, some he has some old friends and family and stuff that they're like, i knew I knew Jimmy was going to make it big. See, I, I knew it all I saw him play when he was young, I knew he was going to make it big. and and Jimmy himself said, "I didn't fucking know no." <laughs> How could you know? He's like how could you? And he's like I love you. I appreciate you for saying that. He's like but how could you know? I didn't know. My coaches didn't know. Like my he's like, my first coach at Marquette told me to never fucking shoot. He said pass it to the good players. Literally. He's telling this story. Jimmy Butler, <laughs> NBA Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. His college coach, he gets to Marquette and he said, we got these other you're going to play cuz you you know you're the hustle guy. You play defense. So, but when you get the ball, you pass it to the other players because they're good and you're not, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it was a different time. Obviously back then you could just talk shit to these kids or whatever, but like no one knew that about Jim, about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler didn't know that. And that's how I feel about fantasy football where like, dude, the Eagles coaches did not know and probably still don't how the touches are going to be divided up between those four running backs. They don't know which running backs are going to make the team <laughs> right now, you know? So how can you be overconfident about it? right? You, the, the the 49ers didn't know if Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo was going to start. How could you know, right? How could you possibly know the teams don't know these players themselves don't Devontae Adams thought he was going to quit football after year two. He was done. He sucked. He was horrible. He was having terrible, you know, mental health issues. And he thought about quitting and now he's one of the best wide receivers in the history of the sport. He didn't know that he was good. He actually thought himself that he sucked. So how could you know? And so like it's just all you know a long winded way of being like, dude, overconfidence is going to be the killer of of you. It's not to say like don't take stands or don't have player takes or it's it's not to say that at all. It's just to make sure you're doing it in the way that isn't just like. I always know better about all these situations you've taken in, you've taken in all the risk and you've taken in all the context and all the nuance and you've decided this is the right bet to make, but it's not just because you know better.
1: Yeah. And I think like the thing there's the kind of the the original pushback that you would get on stacking and correlating is like, just be right, dude, just pick all the right guys and then you'll win. This is easy. If you, I don't know why you guys don't just pick all the right guys. So, (laughs) You know, if you if you aren't even open to taking a guy despite having like, stacked up that game, despite his price being palatable enough to where you're saying, you know, in the 12th round, probably really only do need one week out of Dalton Kincaid if it's <laughs> week 17 mm-hmm. for him to pay off this price, given that I've bet on Josh Allen to have a big week. Um, that's the, that's the only way i'm taking this tournament down because you know i have one quarterback to this point i'm probably tacking on someone cheap and my really only path is josh allen blowing up um that's where i would say like the overconfidence can be really like it can impact you in a negative way if you're if you're not even open to the idea of taking Kincaid in those situations yep again not to say that you can't try to push it and get an adp value and mm-hmm. but it's just like how confident are you like it's at least good to check in with yourself and be like and look, I mean, I don't have that much Kincaid. I'm at like two and a half percent. So there's only there's only so many times where I I'm not over I'm not loading up on Josh Allen, which is maybe one of the reasons. But um, Correct, I'm same. like slightly underweight God. Allen. So, um, but I am open to the idea of taking him in the right circumstances. I am also open to the idea of Najee Harris, uh, really making me gut punching me. Right? I'm open to the idea of Najee Harris gut punching me um and scoring a couple touchdowns in the right week and just having this be a really annoying season where Najee Harris gets there despite you know me feeling like he is just not well priced. That's I that could happen. I don't think I'm going to play it like that's going to happen. Right. I don't think I'm going to hedge my strong feeling that like Najee Harris is not a very good pick. But I don't think it's impossible that he's like just Kind of gets
0: me real good. Upper I mean, gut to the gut, if like, just think, think about how easy the path is if Kenny Pickett's good. That's yeah. really all. Like, like Najee could still absolutely suck, but if Kenny Pickett is just like way, way, way better than, and I mean, I'm not saying up no, the line is better like than a, I think it's going to be. Yeah, everything just falls into place, right? And maybe the schedule ends up being a lot easier than than you think. You know, this crazy shit happens. Like, we didn't think a couple of years ago that the Ravens were going to be the best goddamn matchup for every offense that they played for the whole second half of the season. But, like, it, yeah. it just – chaos just happens. And, yeah, the next thing you know, Najee scores 18 touchdowns, and, you know, he's still only averaging four yards a carry, right? But he catches some checkdowns and he he gets a bunch of goal line. Jamal Williams just scored a billion touchdowns. Is Jamal yep. Williams an amazing football player? No. Variance fucking happens. Amon Ra gets tackled at the one every every freaking week and Jamal punches it in. That can happen, dude. And if you're just you're just in that role, you, you were you you were probably right about Najee Harris. He was overpriced, right? His ex, his what his expectations were actually were in line with your your take. Just because he's the the big back on the Steelers, and maybe their offense is better, and the situation falls into it, poof, smash, Absolutely dunks on you, and you don't win this year.
1: Yeah, which is definitely something that could happen. And that's I would, would say like, okay, Najee Harris is available at five hundred three. Am I out? No, I'm. I think I'm going to take him because um, he could. He could. You know, so that the ADP discount is one way to get on there. Um, I think. With the Zay Flowers one that you brought up earlier, Zay Flowers and Bateman, I started taking Zay Flowers and Bateman together because I was like, mm-hmm. Bateman over Flowers, like, come on, come on. But then I'm like, I started to get the feeling that that was probably overconfident, and so I just like started taking Flowers with
0: Bateman. It's the same thing that happened to me. Yeah. I was yeah, and always then Bateman.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the market is corrected like so much towards Flowers and against Bateman that it you can't even really do that now, mm-hmm. but there was a time where you definitely could, and- but now it's easy for me to take Flowers because I took him with Bateman, and now now Flowers is a guy I take and I feel fine about him. Um, and he's also you know continued to be hyped up. But that's that's one way you know kind of taking both guys together is a way to kind of get yeah. get that player who you're not as confident about in the mix. Um, if Najee Harris were to fall to the sixth round because he didn't get any you know because it's like unclear that he's the starter or something you know I still wouldn't take him whom I can but I would think about it
0: <laughs> I, I'm like how,
1: what would I what would I have to do it actually what what fall would lead me to think that Najee Harris I mean if but but in a random draft right where it's like if Najee Harris would have fall to like the the 611 or something I would, it would be like I would be like come on fall fall you Yeah, know like, 100 percent I would be so excited to get that. So some of this is, you know, and, and honest, honestly, part of it is I probably should hedge more, and take errors, right? Because if I'm psyched to take him at the six twelve, then I should probably just mix them in occasionally. I don't think I'm gonna play it like that, but maybe
0: I should. But that, but that's also there's a difference between <clears throat> like you can admit that you're right, which like you just did. We just did. There's a path that we are very, very wrong about Najee Harris. Right. And that, that kills us, but it's yeah. also, I also still am choosing to use my U S American dollars to put to use in a different way. Right. Like I, I, you play in uh you know, any form of basically gambling or D, like DFS, right. We all play different styles of DFS. Even the best players on the planet play different styles. So Ricky D, plays a really 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 high variant style of dfs he goes like full fades multiple of the chalkiest guys sometimes or whatever he won a million dollars on thanksgiving the other uh the last year two years ago something like that and i forget whoever like the mega mega chalk like running back was he played 150 teams with zero of that guy and it was like how the hell you know it was you know it's thanksgiving there's three games how do you fade the, the chalk and dense a super, huge way on the yeah, those
1: small slates
0: and, but there's, you know, and there's, there's so few other alternatives, any other, like most, like he's the only person that did it and it worked. And he, so he had 150 permutations around this, obviously lots of those failed too, but when he got 150 bullets on this one thing, right. He, was, he said, I got to get one thing, right. That's what he did. So I come in and I'm just making it up, right. Zeke fails. If Zeke fails, I'm going to win this fucking slate because I have 150 shots to do it when he fails and he's in 75% (laughs) of the teams in this tournament or whatever. It's like, that's a way to play it. You also can hedge, right? There are a lot of people that just kind of like naturally smooth things out because they understand they're cutting off their ceiling, but it's risk mitigation as well right you know you're covering more bases because you don't always want to go to zero when you're wrong right you you fade the 75 percent own guy he hits there goes 100 whatever you're 100 you know 1500 poof gone right down the drain that that's a personal preference and, and play style i am a more aggressive player in all all forms of this in in dfs i am a very aggressive player when i do multi i generally am a single entry or a couple entry type guy and i like like I'll go all in on multiple different things, and you know, rotate a couple things around them. Right, play a different running back and a different defense, but I play the same game stack that I played before, or whatever. Uh, I'll play when I play one hundred fifty. Usually, it is because I'm going all in on literally one. That that's stack. the only time I really do it too. Is I'm like, uh, all right, I'm gonna play one hundred fifty teams in, in 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 week one just because it's fun. It's also it's like you know, uh, I usually do it just because I and I do think the Howl cardinals game is at it's a very advantageous spot for him but also i mean come on you got a brand to uphold you can't talk about sam Howell for months and months and months and then he's 4900 week one against the cardinals and not like put that to put that to good use i might
1: do that too just so i can like victory lap a Howell week one dfs (laughs) and then also post like a credit like a like a 0.7 0.7 howl exposure in
0: best ball just get it both ways <laughs> that would be that would be absolutely epic be like see i told you that you know that, that you could absolutely victory lap and troll the living shit out of anybody in mm-hmm. that scenario but again like to your point it's pretty pretty these, these are those are like different pillars of the game it, you know you you can acknowledge the fact that Najee Harris could, could bury you, but not want to devote your money that way. Yeah. And other, other, and other people could just say, no, I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. Like uh, quite frankly, you know, obviously I watch you guys. Pete is a massager of his, his, uh, his, uh, his uh, his exposures. He doesn't really get very high on any individual player. He has a a handful of guys. He might stone fade. Um, But generally he's kind of a smooth it out structure, bro. Over player take, right? When he says, like, I gotta stop drafting a guy, he's like, Oh yeah, I got up to like fifteen percent on that guy, I gotta pull back the reins. I'm like, Peter, fifteen <laughs> percent is fucking nothing, you know. But that's how yeah, he plays. I, I the have game.
1: so many players I'm fifteen percent on. Like,
0: exactly. And we I have play I, we and I play it differently than someone like he does. Uh we mentioned Drew Drew Dinkmeyer before, uh, you know, obviously very sharp, just at all things, you know, kind of gambling. I think I saw last year, like he didn't have anybody above like 12% or something like that. He was just picking off ADP values. That's a way to play the game. A hundred percent. I have but 25 that, players. I'm at 15% or higher. On. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, mine is absolutely a ton. Uh, and that will slowly smooth over the course of this last yeah, month yeah, because yeah. of like the Tony thing or whatever. Right. You know, you get those fallers, you get the, although <laughs> like we said at the top, like JK, the guys that I like are falling, which is the not a great, the uh, thing for the mm-hmm. portfolio, but it is what it is. You know what I mean. If they're the best pick, and that's how you want to play it, that's that's how it goes. I do think so. That's a thing to reevaluate,
1: right? Like Traylon Burks is someone that I have taken less of since he's fallen, because
0: I mean, because portfolio, portfolio. It's, not, it's but it's it, it, but do you think it's because you want to pull back the reins on him, or is it because you think he's worse with Hopkins, or like how yeah, how how are you assessing think, a situation? I think the Hopkins.
1: Like I think it took a, it took some slice off the upside. You know, I think I think the chances of him absolutely bombing are – I think Burks' floor has risen with the Hopkins signing because the team is less likely to go to Will Levis. They're less likely to just be in full tank mode. That's all good for Burks. But I think his, like, really juicy upside outcomes have, have decreased. Um, and then I think part of his like, sometimes with – okay, it's like, well, that did hurt, you know, his range of outcomes a bit. Let me see where he settles and Burks is like continue to really fall. Yep. So, you know, if I was just like taking him all the way down, um, I, I was kind of feeling like I might just be getting some prices that are also kind of bad. Cause what if he kind of falls all the way now he's now that he's like available in the eighth, I think I'm going to try to get back in. I mean, I'm still very high on Burks. I'm at 18% Burks. I was, I was taking him a lot before. Um, and I've taken him some throughout, but he's one where I've definitely taken less of since the fall as compared to before the fall. I wouldn't say that's even true of Bree. So I haven't taken him quite as often until it's like he's in the fourth round of taking him 100% of the time. But there's like, like, I'll break ties towards Mark Andrews, or I was breaking right. ties towards Josh <clears throat> Jacobs sometimes, or Lamar <clears throat> Jackson even, although not really. Um, but like during the fall, I'll sometimes ease off. And then if a guy settles, And I'm like, I like this guy at this price. I don't really, I I think personally, I'm willing to, to a point, like I don't think I would go to like 50% haul if he were to fall to the fourth, but I would think about it. I honestly would think about it. If he were to fall to like the late fourth, be like the only way that I can hammer him now is going to take me to like 50% haul in my overall portfolio. I would but just I would think it through but I, I don't think I I don't think I'm out on doing something like that like because hypothetically right like if Hall were to fall to the 18th round based on pure cook panic
0: like I would want 100% Hall exactly you know? and the, exactly the that's I think that's it. it the thing about exposures and like portfolio management and all that, where people will say, what's the right percentage, right? How, what, it, what should you cap your exposures at? Or, you know, it, it, and of course it is risk management at the end of the day, right? Everybody can choose to, if you want to draft the same guy in every single draft, go, go for it. Uh, you're probably uh reaching a little bit too much. Generally, you know, rule of thumb, right? If you get to 75% on a player or something like that, you were, probably reaching a good clip yeah. uh, of the time just you know not necessarily but generally speaking it'd be hard but, to do without it like if you think about it we talked about earlier like there are a handful of guys or situations that we believe are like edges or whatever right i agree with you on breeze i believe J.K. Dobbins is another one for me who also happens to be a follower, frankly, frankly, the Ravens uh, and now Bateman falling like I, there, there's a lot of these little situations. I think the yeah. uh, Hunter Henry Hunter Henry should go in like the 13th round, not the not the 18th round or whatever, you know, like there's little little things that you believe are edges because the market is generally efficient, but and in the in the micro situations, there are going to be spots where it absolutely is not. And just like again on a DFS slate or in any form of peer-to-peer, you know, competition, there are exploitable spots. And not all, not all of them are exploitable. So that's why when it comes down to the portfolio, why do I just have eight percent of some guys? Because I don't really have a take. And I think, yep, price is about right. I take them when it makes sense. I end up with, you know, kind of about the field. It is what it is, right? I don't really care. Um George Pickens, let's just say that's a guy for me. Is like I
1: think that's probably a you know, guy for
0: me too. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't love him. I get why some people might. I see some talent. I see the flaws. I see everything. And I don't have an opinion really. <laughs> I just whatever. So I just take him when it makes sense. I end up right about the field and it is what it is. I'm not letting George Pickens make or break my season. I don't give a shit. Right. JK Dobbins to me is especially amid that's amongst this fall. It's a bad price. It's a, it's a bad price. I think he is an absolute stone cold smash. And so you have to handle that, right? Like if you showed up to a DFS slate and Zeke was out and Tony Pollard was five K, you would play more of Tony Pollard than you would of some other five K running back. Right. And I know it's not DFS. There are differences, you take an edge and you push it you don't just right you don't just say oh yeah that's an edge cool i'm going to take 12% of that if it's an edge push that edge now does that mean 15 20 25 50 70 that's up to you and how you want to handle that money you have to be willing to lose it all on that one player right and that's most people are not i kind of am <laughs> uh, that's just how i like to play you know i understand it can go poorly but like it's kind of like a DFS. Slate. Really do this sh-
1: for a living, right? Yeah. You're going to play next, you know, you're going to play next year. Right. You know, and you we, know how to manage a bankroll. In- you know how to take losses. Yeah. Like, you know how to kind of deal with that type of. The, the I lose every day. Of it. I and, lose
0: every day in DFS and have made a career out of it. You get used to like, it is something you have, it is yeah. something you have to get used to. I got my dick kicked in yesterday in DFS, but on Saturday at a actually good think,
1: you know, you, you mentioned like kind of learning from the, from the failure of DFS. Like that is just like, man, DFS, the confidence that you feel, you know, you, you, you talked about like kind of initially with this overconfidence thing, like being so confident about the specific way that a game is gonna play out. And then feeling yeah, feet like really feeling that confidence, getting to that level of I dude, like please don't tell me about any like listening to stuff ahead of time, and be like, this guy doesn't even know how this game's gonna play out, this idiot. <laughs> What is he talking about? He's acting like this thing that's definitely going to happen is it going to happen. What a fool! And then it doesn't go like that at all, right? The game doesn't play, plays out completely differently, and you mm-hmm. get it's like it's not even just like about uh, you know the, the whether or not your lineup made money or something, but just like the confidence that you can go into some of these spots with, and then it just plays out completely differently. I do think is like very helpful. You know, you get in your reps of like just getting schooled. By reality, enough times where like I think that is such a big part of it. Like, at least to be able to consider, and that's again, like, talking like we are two guys who are gonna make big bets on a bunch of different players this year. We're not we're not really like hedging in a lot of spots. But right, but I do at least know that like why am I why am I someone on Brees Hall? It's not because he's not risky, he's quite risky. It's because I think he has he is, here's what I'll say. He is in a small sample as a player with a very good prospect profile who had high draft capital and his team feels pretty confident, it appears, um, and a team who has title aspirations and, and will presumably play their best players down the stretch, <laughs> right? But in a limited sample, he has flashed elite running back talent, and I think that's how you play the running back position in fantasy football. I think you mm-hmm. chase the elite talents at the running back position. That's literally what the legendary upside, that's how the name came about. Like that's mm-hmm. the whole, it's like what I, it's not, it's like my brand, but it's not like brand enforcement. It's like, I literally just think this is the best way to try to win in fantasy football. Like you mm-hmm. running back is a position where the upside is what matters. Like by far the most. And you're getting a chance with Brees Hall to take a guy who has the upside profile of a first round pick and get him in the third or fourth round. And that is not a profile that I think is going to come around very often and not a profile that I want to be, all right, I'll get, I'll get 13%. Like for me, I want to be like, I'm pushing in the chips on this. And, and look, I, it could, it could fail. Like I know it could fail. I know that we only got a small sample. You know, I know that his efficiency could be a mirage. I know that the jets offensive line isn't that good. Like his efficiency could be worse. You know, I know Aaron Rodgers could be, could be done. You know, I know there's a bunch of different ways that this could fail they could sign down and cook still. I could not only could have failed, but I could have the worst prices on this. So like, I, I do realize that like I'm taking on risk, but I think this is a spot from the upside perspective on a position where I think you play it through the upside that isn't going to come around in very many seasons. And I've, as I've made the bet, I've like gone and checked some stuff. Like, you know, I've made, do I really feel this strongly about this guy? Do I think he's worth making this big bet on? And I'm like, so far I'm like, yeah, dude, I do. I think he's a really strong upside bet. So I'm going to keep making the bet. It doesn't mean that it's definitely going to work. In most cases, it won't work. But, you know, I think when it works, it's going to really work. And that's why I make it.
0: I I, I, I couldn't agree more. And obviously we agree on that because we take general similar, obviously different players, uh, although I have very big breeze bags as well, um, but similar approaches. And I think that's up to each individual person. Of course, we just – talks through that but it is sort of this like getting less things right approach where breeze is like he said breeze is this one thing that doesn't come around all the time right again using the dfs parallel or whatever same thing like, if you're a sports better N- not every day is there a bet that you believe is a massive like just massively mispriced right this and I do lots of sports. We have a sister site called Scores and Odds that I do stuff for. And I am following the betting markets very close. Some days there are like, let's say, a strikeout prop or a rushing yardage prop where I'm just like, this this dude is probably 53 and a half yards or whatever for Tony Pollard against the Cardinals. And I'm like, excuse me? Like we project him for like, Seventy nine yards or whatever, and you're just like, I know, and you know, prop markets and limits and all that kind of stuff. But like, you bet that differently than you bet the other guy who projects for four yards over his mm-hmm. prop or or four yards under his prop, right? You bet that differently. You bet Brees differently because you your valuation has said Brees is a different bet than whatever, even other good bets, right? That is a different style bet. Uh, my like kind of mid round guy we talked about Rashad Penny. Look, if I have to listen to someone tell me that Rashad Penny gets hurt every year or it's an uncertain situation, right? That the coach loves Kenny Gainwell. I fucking get it. I know. I, I'm I'm well aware that Rashad Penny is the Kadarius <laughs> Tony of, of of running backs and is probably going to get hurt. And yes, I know Trey Sermon is having a good camp, right? And like I get it, dude. I get all of it. My assessment is that you don't get that to your running back talent point. You don't get that talented of a running back in Philly. Best offensive line in the league. Behind the best offensive line in the league with one of the best, if not the best rushing quarterback on, on a team that is in a positive game script every single goddamn week because obviously their offense is good, but their defense is maybe better, maybe even better than their offense. Run heavy. Everything. The stars have aligned for Rashad Penny. Will he get hurt again? I don't know. Probably. Could he just not be the guy and it's Gainwell and Swift and Boston Scott and Trace? Sure. Absolutely. He it, That that could happen. And guess what? I'll lose when that happens. But I want my chips in because when that fucking hit, when Rashad Penny hits in a situation like this, it is league winning. It is it is yeah. competing with the guys for leading the NFL and yeah. rushing. <laughs> yeah. Like it is a home run. And so I'm, look, I'm willing to yeah, do it's that. It's 10th round Nick Chubb basically. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting tenth round, tenth round Nick Chubb on an even better offense that scores more points. Sounds pretty good. I think that sounds pretty good, right? So I'm putting my chips in on those, like these guys that we're doing here, and it is partly because or maybe Derrick
1: Henry. I don't know. I, yeah,
0: guy? it's probably Derrick Henry, but let's not let's not turn it negative. Nick Chubb is a little bit more positive JT? viewpoint than than. Yeah. D- yes. Imagine if J T. was going in the tenth round. Uh, I just was I mean, getting ahead of the comment that's like, yeah, but Chubb's going to catch passes this year. Yeah, which might yeah. be true, but yes, yeah. But, but yeah, do I give a shit, right, on underdog? But again, it's you're always doing all these different balancing acts. That's like what we talk about on the show constantly, all the time. There's different levers, and you and so like, all pull them. The penny yeah. one,
1: you know, I I don't. You probably have more penny than I. am at fifteen percent penny. Um, happy to take them. I am at nine and a half percent gain. Well, and uh, I've got. 7% Swift. So I'm spreading it out a little bit because I don't know with Penny. Like there were rumors that like maybe he wouldn't be a lock to make the roster. They there's rumors they like Trey Sermon for some fucking reason. You know, <laughs> there's you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty around here, but like if it's not Penny, I think Swift or Gainwell is going to be a smash Absolutely. So I want to be at least kind of even Gainwell's so cheap
0: too that I want to be overweight him. I've been um, really taking him lately, and I know it's reacting a little bit too late. But again, kind of like the Mims thing, it, that's the point of still drafting. Up, him. He's it, so priced it, well; it uh, it doesn't matter. And so I've been, I'm I'm basically betting against Swift. To be totally honest, uh, I'm taking Penny, and now I've kind of been hammering Gainwell on non-Penny teams, and even took him once with with Penny. But um, it's mostly just a bet against bet on Penny, obviously, but kind of a bet against Swift for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I want my bet to primarily be on Penny. But also
0: to just generally be on, like, Eagles running back. Yep. Um, I'll do And Miles Sanders did this. Miles Sanders isn't as good as probably any of these guys <laughs> at football. Yeah. Like, Miles Sanders' I mean,
1: best skill is probably worse than everyone else's best skill.
0: Correct. Absolutely. It definitely is. And so, like, I- I'm just going to keep – like, I know I'll, – I'll be wrong of a lot about a lot of these things. But just like you said with the Brees profile – and just like the, even if it weren't Penny, dude, like I'm taking Penny because I think that the, the fit is like, I it's mean, perfect. Jesus Christ, that's perfect. But if it weren't Penny and it were somebody else, I, I actually don't care. This isn't even really a totally a Penny talent take. It is, but it's also an Eagles take. So I draft, I, I think Miles Sanders sucks. I literally don't draft him this season. And he was my highest owned running back last year, give or take. One of, I took a big stand on Miles Sanders. And so the, it's like, it's, You're constantly being fluid, right? It's like every year is a different slate, and every slate has a different edge to it and different, the best plays, right? You know, we joke in DFS, like, oh, just play the best, you know, play the best plays or whatever. It's like that's actually kind of true in, in best ball for me, but I actually don't think our opponents treat it that way. In DFS, all our opponents do that. And they show up every week and they say, I'm gonna play the hits, baby. You know, this this running back's out. I'm playing that guy at chalk, right? Oh, this game has the highest total. Uh yep. I'm gonna stack that one up, right? And there's that this three K tight end at eight targets last week. Oh, that looks good. You know, I'm gonna pl- pl- plug that guy in, right? It's no like one's every- probably noticed that. Yeah, so nobody I'm put him in my lap. Yeah, geez, Darren Waller's out. Foster Moreau, let's sign me up again for that fucking travesty, you know, of uh, uh, every every week Foster Moreau jock four points or whatever. But like every week people do that in DFS. And every day when you bet on sports, you show up and you say, hmm, that's the best bet of, of today. I'm a hundred bucks on that one, right? But then we get to best ball and because it's year it's a it's you know it's a full year that we do this thing from may to freaking january that this whole thing is going on sometimes before right there's the big board and all that kind of stuff because it's because of the the kind of psychological impacts of losing money slowly of losing all that money so slowly <laughs> And then having to do it all, having to wait to do it all over again. We don't treat it the same. Like, I'm not saying we, a lot of people don't treat it the same. And they're saying, I'm not drafting anybody over 20%. It's like, is he the best play? Do you believe that this guy is like a bet you want to put your chips on? Then, like, why are you treating it when you show up in DFS, you play the same guy on every team? I know it's a little different, right? With, with, uh, uh, snake draft and salary cap, uh, fantasy, but it's like still like, Pressing your edges is a thing in any game of skill. Uh, if you're not gonna press them, I don't like why why play? Now it's not always a player either, right? Like we talked about Drew, but your 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 edge absolutely could be just like structural drafting and writing ADP yep. values and all that, then press that edge. But press an edge. You, you
1: Yeah. Well that's what just, I, I was gonna say. I think like if you were to, to ask Pete, like, okay, you know, who does keep things fairly balanced? He, he takes stands, He's just not, not as standy yeah. as our stands. But um, yeah, it's like I am pressing an edge. It's called smart structures.
0: Yeah, he's and core- very good
1: correlated lineups and you know stacking and stacking at good prices. I mean, you can, and that's why I think like there's a number of if drafting. You- he's a good drafter. He's a good drafter. Yeah. So if you if you want to, some of it is like how much more variance do I want to inject into the season? Or in some-, in some ways, it's sort of less variance. It's like. I am going to create a few binary. Sort of spots that are yep. going to make this a little more binary for me this year. Um, and do you want to do that or not do that? And I th- honestly think you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't think there's a right answer there at all. It's it's really just more, it's like, I don't know, risk management or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, however you want to play it. Because in the seasons where your favorite player was right, you know, the right pick, you know, do you want to be like fully in and fully capitalize on that with the knowledge that when you're wrong about that, you're going to
0: have really bad seasons relative to how well you drafted?
1: So it's just, or unfair. you just get unlucky,
0: right? You're, you're, the, the, I think people view right versus wrong is, was yeah. that player a hit or was that player a bust? We saw probably one of the best Brees, picks last year. Exactly. I was just going to say, Brees was, a, in my opinion, Brees was probably gonna be one of if not the best pick you know it's hard to chop top josh jacobs i guess but like up there with that in terms well, josh, of
1: let's say josh jacobs was he a good right. pick or not in best Ball yeah.
0: Mania? yeah exactly kind of wasn't
1: like he, he was but then he really wasn't right it's just it's just bad luck that's just bad luck
0: yeah it was it was absolutely because obviously he was luck. a good
1: pick like when you zoom out and say was he a good, He was a great pick
0: yeah but, but you got you ran bad yeah you ran you bad. Ran, you, you ran you ran really bad and so like that that I agree that that is up for every single person to figure out for themselves but that's also it goes to every person has to figure out specifically what your edge is <clears throat> like if you're just in this to have fun throw some money at it and sweat some teams by all means dude like <laughs> trust me uh, sometimes uh, I, I throw some action down on a DFS later in a, a battle royale draft or whatever I don't necessarily think I have an edge I just want the, to sweat something look we're all human. But uh, if I'm if I'm grinding best, if you're a sicko listening to this, and I'm grind, I'm reading all of bad stuff, right? I'm in the in all the discords trying to figure this out. I'm grinding. You have to figure out some form of an of an edge. I I know people probably get sick of like the DFS thing. It took me a long time to figure out what my edge even was, or if I ha- I didn't have one to begin with. But over a long, I I, I kept don't. I, kept depositing every sunday on fanduel playing kept the sunday million
1: to teach you what your edge was
0: yes exactly and i was <laughs> depositing i was depositing and playing the sunday million because it was a million dollars to first place and i just kept saying why do i keep having to deposit you know 250 bucks to play 10 teams into this every sunday and i keep losing and i keep losing and i keep losing and then you slowly figure out over, over time i figured out my skill set is not suited to that tournament not only was I making the mistakes I talked about earlier in terms of like thinking uh, I knew better and just out footballing people, but I wasn't. I'm not a good MME player. It's like my brain functions best in these smaller field tournaments. That is where I excel, and like the game theory elements of the smaller field tournaments and the live final qualify, like winner take all shit. Like that is where my skill set comes in. My skill set in bet in best ball right is I have certain edges like right like I believe in the Rashad Penny thing. I believe I can diagnose certain things like Pete uh, is an awesome drafter. Pete is really good at reading rooms. I think that's one of my skills as well. Like when yeah, do yeah. we push this? When do we try to push this guy? When do we you know oh this you know this is the piss boy room. This when's the avalanche coming? When 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 is the news going to make this guy fall a little bit? Can we like, get right, away with like, taking this
1: guy here? Like I yes. draft him every Wednesday. I'm always like, can we do it? Like I like this guy. Can we get away with it?
0: Exactly. And he's one of the best best at that. And I think he would tell you he has his player takes too, but he, he doesn't believe that that's his biggest you know edge that he has. So he doesn't push that edge that much. Whereas I believe there are a handful of players every year. I I do think I have a big edge with, so I push them, but then the rest of it I am doing the drafting thing, right? But you have to figure out what your specific edge is. Yeah. And every it's it's different for everybody.
1: Yeah, and I also think like I tend to push my player take edge with players who are volatile so it becomes you know it's also sort of like understanding (laughs) kind of what that edge is gonna ultimately turn into like i i was overweight Ramondre, right volatile player bet on talent play he popped in a lot of the prospect stuff that i like i was very high on him the year before i thought he was really an array prospect um I kind of had to like remind myself not to get too distracted by the shiny new objects of the of the incoming rookie class, but I was, I was backing <laughs> on Remandre. Um, and you know that that was a was one, especially when he was a bit cheaper before he before he started moving up. You know, definitely one you want to be high on. But like, I kind of recognize I'm going to miss on a number of my play. Like Sky Moore was like I said, I was very in on Sky Moore. I was very in on Garrett Wilson though. Like yeah, right. It, like, I was really in on this was this was when I really kicked myself on because in best ball, I wasn't nearly in on Justin Jefferson enough. I was in on Jalen Rager. But in Dynasty, that same year, I was very in on both. And so that's like, you know, so sometimes you kind of mm-hmm. like going, I screwed this one up. I'm going to, my edge was actually like this group of players. Right. And I got like out of whack on where I was yeah. among that group. And so that's something I try to keep in mind. Like my, you know, my edge might be not like this one dude, but a, but a portfolio of like, like, you know, the rookie tight ends, for example, like, um, right, a cohort. I don't want it's Laporta it's and Mayor,
0: and right. It's that cohort right. of players. It's not just Mayor or just exactly. Laporta. Yeah. I started trying to mix in a little more Laporta because I was getting a little heavy
1: on Mayor, And so, you know. And I don't think Kincaid's a bad prospect, so that's part of the reason why I'm going. Okay, fine, I'll take him if I can get. <laughs> right. I'm going to try to figure out ways I can get some of them, so I don't, you know, get completely locked out. Um, but yeah, just also understanding that like, if you're trying to find a rookie breakout, you're going to probably take some guys who don't do anything. Yep. You know, like I'm willing to take Michael Wilson right now because he's getting a lot of talk at. Cardinals camp, and I think he could be a starter by the end of the season two wide receiver sets based on the fact that they took him in the third round, and he's, like, pretty athletic. But, like, taking a pretty unproductive third-round rookie at, like, anything other than, like, once in a while is going to lead to some dead roster spots, you know, regardless of what they're saying in training camp. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, like, I'm just understand like, kind of understanding – I'm going to press this edge. Here's the risk that it comes with. You know, here's if what your edge is sort of likely to yield in sort of a range of outcomes. Like, you know, I'm I'm willing to press the breeze thing because I think this comes with so much upside. But when I press my edge, sometimes it blows up my face. <laughs> but that's you know that's something I'm willing to accept yep. um, because I do think because I do think that it is an edge to to play the running back position um, through through upside in the early rounds, for example.
0: Yep. And and I will just add, uh I believe in that in not um really necessarily in any one individual player at the the running back position, but actually from a later round perspective, what has been a gold mine is kind of assessing a lot of the backups and um f- navigating your way, how do you get to I know we we've talked about the Evans Pirine thing, but I was it, it's this this also just let's talk about kicking yourself. Like I was one of the very first before spike week was a thing. We, I mean, we came up with the name, but I was still doing videos on the roto grinders YouTube account as we were just, it was kind of like, okay, just run with this best ball thing and see if, if it's of interest to, to anybody. And then like the whole industry exploded. But one of the first videos was on backup and contingent value running backs that I did. Don't go watch it. The videos are truly horrible, but, the subject matter was was fine. Samaje, my premise was there are all these running backs on awesome offenses or they're awesome for fantasy or whatever, and the backups are either going in the last round or undrafted. And Samaje Pirine was one of the guys. I'm like, this is the very clear handcuff to Joe Mixon was going in the second round at the time, maybe even late first. I'm like, this is the very clear handcuff to Joe Mixon on one of the best offenses in the NFL, and no one drafts him. And like that was like a hit. But again, it was that cohort of like, okay, that's how we got. I know Darrington Evans didn't work. Right. But like, that's how we got P Ryan. That's how we ended with Sony Michelle and uh, you know, all these late round guys that end up hitting, right. They become, you want to find the Tony Pollard and the, the AJ Dillon who are the contingent cream hunt a couple of years ago, the contingent value backs that now everybody's drafting in like the sixth or seventh round because they're so valuable when they come through. Those guys end up exi- right. Eli Mitchell. It, it, when Raheem Moster got hurt, it was actually I did not draft Eli Mitchell. I drafted Trey Sermon like a fucking moron. But like when when that's Raheem Moster go when Raheem Moster goes down, Eli Mitchell steps up I'm like hmm Jesus. Now you have a top twelve back, you know, in the eighteenth round or whatever. But that's a cohort of those guys, and I understand any one individual guy in a vacuum is almost assuredly a zero like almost assuredly a zero and i'm going to have misses right chris evans you're going to pick chris evans over samaji p ryan in plenty of examples but when they hit when that cohort of players hits it is tournament winning type players right when sony michelle comes through and is the lead running back for the rams because cam makers blew out his achilles and it's not whatever daryl henderson <laughs> or whatever like that Wins you tournaments because you're getting a guy dropping 20 every single week in the 18th round of your draft. And like like Michael Wilson as the example, I, I draft him too. I draft lots of the late round rookie wide receivers. You know, can they hit in a big way? Absolutely. Is it very, very, very difficult for those guys? Because they got to find the field and then become a superstar. The running back doesn't got to be a superstar. They just need to do it in front of them right. to get hurt. Right. You know what I mean? And so uh, I'm not hating on. Uh, I, like I said, I draft Michael Wilson. I, Tyler, Tyler Scott is my boy. That's my that's my flavor of the uh, of of the month or week or whatever for the Bears because I don't think Claypool is very good, and Mooney I like, isn't anything. like that. And and Mooney isn't anything. I'm I'm scared. I'm scared of. And he's a deep threat. So, dude, just do what Taekwon did for you. <laughs> catch it, Just catch that long. Catch that long touchdown in 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 week 17. But uh, we do got to get out of here. The people will love. The fact that we went back to another uh, marathon episode and actually my wife texted me and said, uh, who are you talking to for two and a half hours? And I said, <laughs> Gu- guess it's the only person that I talked to for two, two and a half hours over the course of the summer. But I do uh, got to run. And yeah, go. We, and- we skipped a couple episodes and then we did like three in one. Exactly. And we really did. We kind of, we were talking about getting less things right, but we covered a lot of, a lot of different, uh, ground, but speak, speaking of that, I know you guys got a
1: few things right in this episode. (laughs) We, we, we,
0: we tried to get more things right in this episode. Very, very clearly. Um, but I know you guys, you guys are doing tons of drafts and you got all kinds of, of, of stuff going on. Anything that you want to push out there for the few people that have still stuck with us. Yeah.
1: I mean, um, rankings all that good stuff at legendary upside um i'm working on uh, a tight end article that i'm hoping to have out later this week i had an article last week out on uh stacking and just it was a very short article that was i think kind of just a I always enjoy when like an article just pops in my head like oh and then it actually only takes me like a thousand words to communicate the idea <laughs> which this this was one of those and michael wilson was kind of the guy who inspired it because i was like i don't really want to take kyler murray just to get more Michael Wilson, and I was at the point – I'm at honestly at the point where, like, if I have Penny, I'll take Wilson now. Yeah. Um, I don't really need – I mean, I'm kind of open to the idea of even taking, like, him alone just because he's, he's getting, like, a consistent buzz in camp. But, you know, I, I thought Murray is risky. And so if I'm looking for an excuse to draft this risky 18th round wide receiver, adding his risky quarterback doesn't seem like all that sharp. Right. So why don't I – attack him onto to Jalen hurts teams and right and I'm what am I betting on with Michael Wilson in the 18th round I'm betting on a week 17 spike week that's what I'm betting mm-hmm. on so why mm-hmm. wouldn't I just put it as the bring back and so using those bring backs as a way to get um, you know to get some of that risk onto your team in sort of palatable ways and and it's like hey you're betting on that that final week anyway and some attacking some of these uncertain situations with quarterbacks and all that just doing it Honestly, I've been kind of doing this the whole season with Purdy. And like, if I set up the Washington thing, I if I can manage it, I, I go with the other flip it the other way and play it through yep. Purdy and the 49ers. Yep. Um, but anyway, it's uh, I've now rambled for for longer than the article, but that one's a fun little one to check out. Um, and then, like I said, I'll have tight end research coming out soon. I had running back research out uh, a week or two ago. You can check that out if you if you missed that
0: that is it, it is funny i've been doing a lot of that same thing with the like the risky wide receivers and f- finding the right way cuz like you said it's really easy to build them in in a way that it's not that we don't want to take on risk of course we do but it's really easy to build them in in a way where you you may have just tanked this team for no like it you could be even kind of right about the team but you you took the brisk profile a little bit too far across the right we talked about the okay you took Brees, so let's bo- let's boost up these guys who can help the Brees team get to where he can win you the tournament right? right and it's really easy to fall into the trap of drafting all the guys together that can win you the tournament but they can't all get <laughs> they you. There can't win these, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah you finished you finished congrats you finished 10th out of 12 in the late your week 17 score was really nice but you you punted off so many points in the regular season yeah. that you had you had absolutely you finished 10th uh, in your league you would have won I- the Whole yes. tournament,
1: but you finished 10th in your 12 team league,
0: right? Like, all like, oh, thank when I'll, I'll be cursing all my 2 2 Atwell teams when he catches two touchdowns in week 17 because you know he's attached. There's 2 2 and Jalen Hyatt and you know Jerome Ford, and all these guys are yeah. all on the same team. And it's like, buddy, they you do need some points for the first you know 10 weeks <laughs> of the season or or whatever. Uh, for us here at, at, at Spike Week, I did just want to mention we're August is what I'm calling drafters month. Obviously everyone's super familiar with underdog and DraftKings. I do think maybe drafters honestly doesn't get as much hype probably as it deserves. Um, they made a lot of awesome updates to the app and the website and, and all that, the drafting experience I actually find to be really fun. And I think some of the conversation for some people, particularly if you're coming over from a managed league or anything like that, Around the fantasy playoffs in week 17 and all the things we talked about, you know, for a couple hours here can be a little bit laborious or a little bit uh, maybe too complicated. Well, we got that. all for you with drafters, right? Draft that team, score the most points end of discussion you don't got to worry about advancing you don't got to worry about coral week 17 correlation none of that stuff draft the best maybe some
1: singles and double stacks you can still do yeah
0: absolutely there's still definitely ways to get less things right for sure on on drafters but you gotta get more things right but you also have to get more things right and it's a little bit of a a, of a different game it's also full ppr and 20 rounds which i kind of like a little bit more personally for me um and so tonight actually i know i'm saying this tonight it'll be out by the time Uh, This gets posted to uh, YouTube and the the podcast feed. Rob and I are drafting a team on drafters and we're going to be putting out a ton, a ton of content. Plus, Um, you can also get a free month of spike week. So you really want to get a super cheap access to spike week. If you use that promo code up in the corner for drafters, use promo code spike. There's just a form on the website. I can put a link in the description that if you have not yet signed up for drafters, you can get a free month of spike week. So sign up for Pat sign up for drafters. The next thing you know, you're going to have like (laughs) spike week for almost nothing for a really, for a really long time.
1: I will say if you're also trying to just uh, get the most out of this sign up that you're about to do, uh, I still do have, if you sign up for a season-long Legendary Upside subscription, I still have some $50 underdog credits. So if you sign up for the season-long, uh, it's 99 for the year, but you get $50 off underdog. you get 40% off Spike Week, then you tackle on the, the free month of Spike Week. I mean, you're
0: just like swimming in value right now. Yes, you are, and it is hundred free, uh, up to $103 on drafters. So there's just like free money being handed out. That is the nice thing about, and we will now close, this is the nice thing about like the new big industry or whatever. It was like the early days of DFS. These sites are all competing, right? Which is really the competition for them is really good for us. DraftKings has got commercial. There's during the Hall of Fame game, there's best ball commercials and stuff. It's it's heating up, which is really me, means a lot of free it's money and a, yeah. and, a, and a lot of awesome tournaments and stuff for us. But I was going to do it for us. Obviously, make sure you're probably already following Pat, but also go check out the Legendary Upside YouTube where this will be posted on both of our YouTubes. We'll be back next week with another probably marathon episode. So get ready, get some rest in over the course of the next week. We'll see you guys.